Welcome to another episode of Collector's Quest. On this episode, the guys and I are talking about resources. So these are good, sometimes bad, sometimes come with caveats. These are our first stops if we're researching or if we want to learn about something. Things we think you guys should know. A lot of them you probably already do. Hopefully some of them you don't. You know, it's like even basic stuff like eBay. eBay is a very good resource, not just for pricing, but for also looking for variants. So like we talk about that kind of stuff. That's what this episode is about. We hope you enjoy it. My only request, as every time I do this, if you like what we're doing here, please go ahead and go to iTunes. Give five stars. That really helps us out. That would be great. Thank you very much. And we appreciate everyone who's listening and been with us as long as you have. So here we go. Another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler here with Johnny and Stefan. What's going on, guys? Hey, Tyler. So let's talk about medium stick slots. Oh, do you want to talk about some medium <laughs> stick slots on YouTube? I mean, I know everyone out there is watching like the Brian Christophers because they just want to see a guy who can sit is down this, and play slots on. for hours guys, and guys, streaming every single day. Guys, guys, Tyler. Well, we're going to restart this podcast. Whoa. You guys want to jump in right like that? This is <laughs> you don't even want to contextualize anything. I, for just, the people? I really, I really just wanted to dive right into our non sequitur opener. Stephen I mean, does that's like every that. show. So we've been sitting here for uh, an hour and forty five minutes talking about what this show is going to be and talking about YouTube and uh, slot channels that I like to watch. See, I, I'm not even exaggerating when I say like every time that I think Tyler can't possibly get any older. He 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 tops himself, and this time it's letting us know that he watches slot players on YouTube. There's also a but whole not, section on not Twitch for big just slot slots, players, just not so the know. highest ones. He watches medium stakes well, while playing with his mechanical wooden puzzle <laughs> and spinning his tops. And yes, just to be clear, and the- his favorite game is still Ball and Cup, and. Uh, and stick with wheel. Like, you old know, people is... are not on Twitch <laughs> watching slots. Old people are in the casinos despite coronavirus and they're playing slots still. Uh, oh my God. And just so you know how famous these slot people are, you will watch them stream like the, the big guys, not the small ones. Oh, and they'll, so like, people will come up to them and be like, yo, you're Brian Christopher. I watch you on Twitch all the time. It's really weird. You could pull a handle like nobody's business. Oh, people, they use buttons. Come on. Oh my God. <laughs> this is... Johnny, I can't even. I'm not even, like, you know what I feel when I go to a slot machine, besides crushing disappointment and the loss of money? (laughs) I feel bored because they're like, it's games. It's not a game. It's a worthless waste of time. It's it's not even worthless because it costs you money. It's actively ruining and, and now Johnny watch this? and now Johnny instead of being <laughs> bored playing something you can be even more bored watching someone play a boring thing. So I... to be clear Johnny this doesn't make it really any better. It's not someone sitting for like <laughs> 3 hours playing penny slots. I watch people who play like 
10 20 slot machines and their videos are like five ten minutes long i just want to see the big hits and the big losses and you gave us crap about watching videos about cereal boxes i yeah, know pretty dumb collecting cereal boxes is pretty dumb see slots you just lose money <laughs> I, I i just want to feel the person losing money i just want I just want to feel something it's like playing the last of us 2 i just want to be miserable for 30 hours that's what watching <laughs> slots on youtube okay, well that's, that's is exactly true. like Okay, Johnny, he doesn't play any game that isn't ruining his life. So I guess this kind of like goes hand in hand mm. with that concept. Yeah, that that is true. It, but I liked Last of Us too. You guys can fight me on that one. I, I thought it was fine. I have some issues with it. You know, people calling it a ten. I I don't think that's true. But um, I didn't hate it the way a lot of people want to like throw hate at it. Just uh, throw yeah, that. It was out okay. There. I'm kind of in the middle, which like there's two like very opinionated camps. They're like, this game's a fucking masterpiece. It's amazing. And then there's a bunch of like either homophobic people or people mad about how the story start. Like there's a moment in The Last of Us 2 where basically the plot kicks off that launches an entire 30 hour story. And people are mad. They're like, you can't start a story like that. That's not what I wanted the story to be. Yeah, it, it it's oftentimes in like big games like that and, and games that people are super invested in and, and movies too, uh, especially movies, books, whatever. The failure of expectation is the greatest failure you can reap upon someone because when you, you sit a group of people down and you let them build up everything they think they're going to see and then you subvert those expectations, like people think that it is clever and in writing it often is to like subvert the expectations of your viewer and, and then give them something else that's interesting. But we live in such a divisive time right now where no one wants to be subverted. They just want to be placated and they want to get what they exactly what they were expecting. But then when they get that, they're like, oh, that's everything I expected. It it comes back to the Mario Kart. I've, I've talked about this, the Mario Kart phenomenon where they're like, man, Mario Kart 8 is only OK. It's just more Mario Kart. Is that a bad thing? What did you come here for? Did you come here for more Mario Kart or not? It, it's like it added some stuff. There's some new stuff. It's more Mario Kart. It, it's not called Mario Not Kart. It's called Mario Kart. Like this is. I, I don't know. This is what we're doing here. You wanted something other than Mario Kart when you bought Mario Kart. Maybe. See, I don't know what I. Want. No. Yeah. Oh. So no, the takeaway that is pretty accurate, Johnny. You shouldn't not have expectations wants. for anything. Just expect <laughs> to be disappointed by everything, and then when something nice happens, it'll be a pleasant surprise. But I basically go into games now and I know there's literally like 50 million people working on video games now, you know, $100 million to make a video game. Like all I know is what video games have been. So I want them to use all of their brains, all that game design information. Show me something that I've never seen. Well, that's that's my point. You can do that, right? You can go do that. And if you do something like The Last of Us 2 did and you subvert all of those expectations... Uh, story-wise, they gave you something completely different. No one wanted that, apparently. Like, or half the people did not. Or they didn't understand what was happening. So there was a failure of their expectations. But then if you do the standard, like I said, the Mario Kart thing, and you just give more Mario Kart, then people complain that it's more Mario Kart. So, like, what... what how do you please people? There's no pleasing anyone. You'll yeah. never please anyone. No, there is a way so, to please people, and that is to just always just release remastered and HD collections of all old games that people already like. No, because yeah, then you're mad about either. it. Yeah, you're right. I'm mad. You're mad about that. <laughs> all right. They yeah, just, no way they, to, they, no way to win. A bunch of big uh, um, reviewers just skewered uh, SpongeBob, uh, the, <laughs> the SpongeBob remake, and like 
that one guy what on, on was it GameSpot? The the guy that couldn't figure out the the the, the boulder puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it was a it was literally like a button puzzle and he couldn't figure it out. Yeah, so like, you know, the HD remasters like Tyler once don't even please people because like they're too hard or whatever or like not not uh, there's like oh well this could have really used some like quality of life adjustments it's like that's not what this is supposed to be but that's again that comes down to expectations that comes into all the things you wanted and then didn't get so your expectations were like like, i wanted this thing and i didn't get what i wanted now complain loudly on social media that's that's the world we live in as i complain into my podcast that i put out on social media the irony never ends how did we so, get yeah. onto this what is because happening? you because you said something shitty about the last of us you said something unfair you said the game was miserable and that's not actually how you feel about the game you think the what? game was i fun. meant that it's like a super depressing game where there's no happiness but that almost. that's not how that's not how you describe it but you are right it is it is f-ing bleak yeah you will uh yeah it, it it is i mean it's a it's a revenge tale like that's there's no happiness in revenge. Uh, if you if you came in for that uh, squeezy huggy moment, prepare to be disappointed. This game isn't offering a lot of hugs. Oh, there's there's at least two scenes of slow dancing. So sure, hmm. sure. There, there's I mean the same kind. I of didn't say no hugs. <laughs> I didn't say no hugs. <laughs> Not no hugs. Expecting a if you're expecting a lot of them, but I, like if you played the first game too, the first game is pretty bleak as well. Like we're we're being vaguely topical. I know no one comes to us for like gameplay reviews, but I I liked it. I thought it was interesting. I thought their choices were interesting. I wasn't mad about it. Uh, you know, if anything, I would say that the pacing was a little off. I thought the first one had the pacing and the length of the game right. I thought this one, they muddled a little bit too much on like too much story for too long a chunk and then too much game for too long. They, they just didn't get quite yeah. the right mix. In, so in like uh, the like, first four hours, there's almost no gameplay. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be the epitome of Tyler complaining that video games are movies. But then it's like, there's huge chunks of gameplay later on in the game. So I don't even know how to complain about it. Yeah, they didn't know. Well, it's like I said, they didn't get the mix quite right. So like there was enough gameplay in it and there's a lot, like there's a lot of movie, there's a lot of gameplay, but the mix wasn't quite the, and then there's that hard part about games like this where so much of the cinematic is like in-game cinematic and not like a cutaway cinematic which makes it confusing and then like rolls right into gameplay so i just don't think they like i mean but that's why i'm saying it like it confuses the blend point of like is this a cinematic or is this gameplay uh like sometimes equipped with that quick time action usually not but um yeah just the, the blend was not quite there and i thought the and thought it ran a little long but generally fine like I, I liked it. I, I thought it was a challenging, interesting game, and it it made me think about the things going on in that world. The things I actually liked best were all the little notes and stuff. If you read about this, f-ing, what happened to the world and what a shitty place it was and how south it went for everyone just living in this world, not just the main characters, but all the ancillary people that were like five years before this as the outbreak happened. I, I thought all that was very interesting. It, it made right. me want to know more about a lot of zombie cliches and tropes in that game. Uh, like with the, the world stuff, like it's kind of every other 28 days later type story. Sure. I mean, but that, I mean, 
there is a lot of stuff that isn't. And this was this isn't like the main story. They aren't forcing you through that pipe, right? They just, yeah, that's there's nothing to, it's basically nothing to do with the zombie apocalypse right, at all. Right. <laughs> No, not at all. You, there just happens to be some, uh, and we could argue whether they're zombies or not. Um, you know, oh true God. zombies or what what version of zombies. Anyways, I thought it was fine, and, but it is bleak, right? Yeah, we all agree, except for Stefan because he yeah, doesn't play those games. Like when you talk about Final yet. Fantasy VII without me. Yeah. So, uh, Stefan, go play Last of Us. Go play the first one. Uh, I just have like zero time right now. I uh, got uh, I took over a new team at work, and so now instead of like having horse blinders on and working on one project, I'm now managing five of them. So it's just a lot. It's a lot of onboarding right now, and I have no time for anything except for this podcast because I make time for you. Oh, thanks. We Tim. appreciate that. Yeah, and Johnny, we're allowed to uh, talk about anything we want for the intro. People like knowing that we're human, even if Tyler is not. Well, that's, I mean, Tyler's a monster. <laughs> he, he is so young and so old. He, Tyler is a weird mix, right? I did, they didn't get the mix quite right on Tyler. Uh, it's too much old and a lot of young. I, I don't, he's like about 30-ish, but it like doesn't quite show. He like skews 50 for a minute and then he skews like he's five. I, Tyler. Things are fine. And then he's like watching slots YouTube. Yeah. I just want to. Did I say on the show that I don't like the big guys because they're corporate sponsored and have Patreons? Because they there's no you, stakes. To you them. didn't go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. talk about so talk about the big Brian slot Christopher. Why they're bad? Brian Christopher can sit there and play slots all day because you know casinos and stuff or whoever's bankrolling him is bankrolling him. He's not losing any money when he loses thousands of dollars in a slot machine. In like in winning thousands of dollars is nothing to him. You got to go deep into YouTube to find like kind of the people who are like, maybe I could start a YouTube channel because I play a lot of slots and my life is spiraling out of control. And you find <laughs> them and you just hear the deadness in their voice when they're losing, you know, $200 in this machine, $100 in this machine. That's the real shit. So I just wanted to uh, get that out there I and just... explain why we were talking about medium stakes slots. Okay. So here's, here's my takeaway and I'll let you go, Stefan. Sorry. Um, I don't... I've had a lot of reservations about creating a Patreon and stuff, you know, and I, I always feel weird about taking money, even though we're providing something, you know, how I'm weird about that, uh, even though, like, I'm trying to get over it. The idea that people are paying a Patreon for people to go lose yeah, money and then weird. allow that person to then also win a bunch of money, so it's all, like, net upside for these big guys, that makes me, like, grossed out on a level that I, I can't even tell you that people would pay other people money to gamble and throw away that I, so I, I don't know a lot about the whoa. online gambling streaming world but like you go on twitch and go to the gambling section it's just a bunch of like talking heads on sketchy online casinos and there's that's probably the seediest underbelly of the internet whatever's going on i don't know what's going on there but there's a lot of money changing hands somehow they're like on these like weird like foreign casino sites maybe they've yeah. got like streamers set up that like have plus 25 percent odds so they, their streams all look really exciting, and then it makes other people want to go to the sketchy casino. Blows my mind. Johnny. He, I don't understand he, at all. He's a monster. Like, he's just like, Tyler's just like, I, I just want to watch these people whose lives are spiraling out of control lose money and masturbate. Like, I'm just like, I don't, what are you? <laughs> <laughs> this, does Ada watch with you? Well, well, we're 15 minutes in, Tyler. Would you like to tell us about your episode? Uh, okay, so this one's going to be Johnny and Stefan's episode. No, this is Tyler's episode. <laughs> We're going to be talking about various game collecting resources and communities. 
Um, I'm going to say primarily online because I'd rather do a whole separate episode on books. Okay. And so we were originally going to do what are the good resources out there, but I think it will be more useful to just bring up a bunch of game collecting resources and talk about our feelings on how valid they are and what we like to do to track down information. Because there isn't a Johnny Ayuchi catalog yet that lists every video game, every variant, all the information you would want about them. So where can you do if you where can you go if you're doing research to actually find that information? Well, and then like where do we go as well? Like these are the places we go check out Tyler goes super deep on this, um, on, on a lot of like his, his weird stuff. You know, I stay a little more high level, but you know, this is like when we were looking and if we are looking up stuff or how we learned, this is some of the stuff we'd used. And then like some of the current stuff that's cropped up that other people are using, will uh, we'll give our thoughts and opinions, but this is by no means a holistic this isn't everything there are going to be places we missed and you can ask us about those maybe we know about them maybe we don't so if uh, we miss something that you think is excellent be sure to tell us because you know like anyone we're just trying to share resources and uh, know where we can go for information when it's needed yeah and we can always do a part two so uh, aside from the collector's quest podcast which is a resource to learn about video game collecting tyler let's get into uh what what are some of the other places? Why don't you lead us off? Tell us uh, where you're taking us first. I just want to uh, say that I always see people online, like kind of reviews or comments online. Like I listen to this show because it's the only freaking show about game collecting, which is fine. I will take it as the default that we are only good because we're the only ones. And I appreciate that feedback. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What's uh... Cause someday we're going to get feedback with someone's going to be like, look, there's this new podcast also about <laughs> game collecting and they're phenomenal peace out losers oh my god <laughs> they know what they're talking about they cite their sources like oh my god it, they don't have a 15 minute banter about they don't brainstorm an hour before the episode yeah so it wasn't a full hour by the way it was it was close though all right i mean but part of that's stefan's fault yeah that's true and by stefan's fault he means tyler's fault mm, kind of mean both of your fault you know whose fault I know it wasn't? It wasn't Johnny's fault. That's... <laughs> ooh, I you talked about pretty, myself in third You went into like a whole review of The Last of Us. Well, because I wanted to talk about it at some point, because I have no one else to talk about The Last of Us 2 with, and if I try to talk about it, if I try to engage anyone online about it, it devolves because everybody wants to be polarized about everything. We can't have any middle ground where we can just have actual discussions anymore. It's either you're a dummy or it's the best. And this, that's the whole world right now. That's, that's on politics. That's on games. That's on, you know, COVID that's on everything right now. So you guys, I can sit down and have a, a middle ground conversation with room for uh, changing my mind or learning something. So that's why we did it here. I so needed an outlet. So on that note, Johnny, let's start at the beginning with Usenet. Do kids out there even know what Usenet is, Johnny? Usenet do it. Do was, adults uh, out there uh, know yeah, what you know Usenet what? is? Does anyone over or under forty know what a Usenet is? I understand it's a thing that exists. I have never directly interfaced with it, and I'm thirty-eight. So, uh, yeah, not all the adults know, I'm sure. So go ahead, Tyler. Start there. What is Usenet? Uh, so Usenet, it's a, a collection of uh, news groups. So actually, Google Groups is uh, it's an interface to use Usenet. And I don't remember, I don't know how this worked in like the 80s, but you would now you basically would subscribe to a a Usenet or news group provider, and they give you access to Usenet, which is kind of like 
I'm trying to describe it, almost like a joined forum for everything for around the world. It's a very early internet type of idea where there are kind of, I'm just going to call them forums because that's almost like a the BBS kind of message board. What? Like a BBS message board. It's exactly like a BBS message board where anyone can post under any name they want to. Uh, so there's obviously a lot of spam though, but you can, you can drill down to whatever topic you're looking to discuss. And so the, the most important one would be rec for recreation dot games dot video would be where all the video game discussion takes place. And I'm not recommending that you go and talk on news groups in 2020, because again, it's a very old thing, but the best thing about news groups is that there is a huge historical record of like 40 years of video game information in there. And a lot of it is just for sale and want to buy posts. But there is some discussion. You'll see people putting out old like FAQs about consoles and like old lists of games. I bet the earliest known record of like the Mike Etler NES list, which is the most famous list of NES games, probably came from Usenet. And so it's not maybe the most useful for finding things like variants, but if you want to track down like uh, opinions on games, one of the ones I come back to is uh, like Racermate Challenge on NES. I know that people did not used to consider that part of any kind of NES quote unquote set and that opinion changed over time. So if I wanted to find people who support that opinion, I might go to Usenet. Another thing, um, because it's mostly this, this very old thing from the eighties, you'll find more kind of Atari discussion when people were talking about classic games in the nineties, when they were talking about classic games, they meant Atari. So you'll see stuff like that and you'll see like all the distributors who still have, uh, You'll see what distributors were out there because you'll see a lot of for sale posts and you'll see like, oh, look, all these games were available brand new up into the early 2000s. So I bet there's a lot of brand new Atari games of these titles out there. And to perfectly illustrate my point, I love how perfectly this works. The most recent post right now on uh, Rec Games Video Classic, which is the classic section of Rec Games Video, is uh, an Atari distributor who posted a link to an FTP full of text files and he is selling video games out of those text files via like mail order. It is the most out of date nonsense thing. This guy is probably seven <laughs> years old, but all he knows how to do is use Usenet. And I love it. And I'm definitely going to buy some Atari games from him because buying Atari games from text files on FTP servers is exactly why I love Usenet. And for those of you in the know, this was Ben from Bravo Sierra Computers, one of the major three or four Atari distributors still around. And, uh, Earlier in the year, he had some Sealed Sorcerer's Apprentice and Buck Rogers and Bump and Jump, and somehow all of those are gone. So expect those to appear on Instagram with people hyping up how hard it is to find a Sealed Sorcerer's Apprentice now when they just bought cases of them for $25 a piece. And it sounds like you guys have never used it, but if you guys have any opinions about that, let me know. Do you think I, that... I don't. I, I've used a BBS message board, but for video game stuff, actually, back in the day, but not, not since... Uh the 90s tally do you feel like there's a, a risk in using it as a source of truth for things just because the information is so dated like do you do you yeah, feel like i wouldn't you know use I mean? it to confirm facts or anything i use it more to kind of judge people's opinions on games or just like see what attitudes were like because there's no forums that have a record going back to the early 1990s or something like that and on usenet it's been around forever so you can see people discussing quad run on Atari 2600, just this really weird, obscure game and see what people were thinking about it. I don't know. I think it could be interesting. It could be informative, 
It's a lot of for sale posts. You could find, you know, and speaking of for sale posts, price charting goes back to like, what, 2007? You could find pricing history, like for all time going back into Usenet, which would literally be like, hey, here's all my Atari games. They're a dollar each. Just to make you feel real bad about what you're paying for stadium events in 2020? Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we, we do a live demonstration so when i say uh usenet so you don't need to subscribe to a, a usenet provider just go to google groups and that is literally what usenet is oh my god you guys aren't going to talk over this no i was just letting you do it oh uh, man it's called building suspense <laughs> uh, <laughs> so i didn't find it i just looked for stadium events i, I don't see anything that pops up as um obvious here but i do want to say that the top post that did pop up is called more assorted atari Lynx news and it's just a discussion of games that are coming out on the atari Lynx in 1992 it's so cool you get to see people talking about the Lynx when it was new i love i love using it okay here's a good stopping point i need two minutes my mic stand just fell oh my god okay. Are we are we talking, Stefan? Is this going to be a... I don't know. No, I'm going to refill my you guys, water. You guys can talk. Nope. Refill my water. F*** this. Okay. So Tyler has the tendency to say he's going to stop recording and then doesn't. And he doesn't edit this either. So the likelihood of this still being in the podcast right now is pretty high. So I want to talk about how much time I spent today finding a f***ing kiddie pool. So it's summer, right? And I went to five different Targets today and a Walmart and uh, to find a kiddie pool for Piper. And it was just monstrous. And I hated it. And it was awful. Uh, so don't buy, uh, don't, buy, don't buy your kiddie pool right now. Uh, wait for that. Sh- or have already purchased it. So, but then again, if you're looking to, uh, to diversify your portfolio and you want a hot commodity right now, kiddie pools is where it's at. Huh? Going to flip them kiddie pools? Oh, so I've been renovating my garage. That's another thing that I've been doing. And uh, that's going to be ready soon. And then my cockpits, which I talked about like a couple weeks ago on the show, uh, those are going to be here on the 18th. And then uh, I'll be ready to move them into the garage. Is anybody back yet? I'm back. What? You're talking about, oh, you're talking to the listeners. That's what I am. Oh. Yeah. I decided because anytime you say that you're going to like stop recording or cut things out, you don't. So I was (laughs) like, if there's something interesting, invariably, invariably, there's going to be all this dead space now that you're just not going to edit out. So, uh, so I filled it and I talked about, uh, I talked about flipping kiddie pools as a diversified commodity and retail uh, arbitrage as investments would call it. Yeah, and I talked about uh, renovating my garage. <laughs> renovating your garage. Uh, I threw out everything in my garage, and now I need to get like 240 volt power receptacles installed every three feet. Yeah, so I need 20 amps per three cockpits. So, and then plus the plus the separate circuit for the like actual host computer. So that's three three 20 amp circuits are going in the garage. All right, that's not too bad. I looked up um, once. I looked up like. This was a long time ago when it maybe was more realistic, but still not very realistic. What it would take to get a Sega R360 cockpit into my garage. Mm-hmm. And to be clear, Sega R360 cockpit, probably the coolest motion simulator arcade game ever. It's an enormous orb that spins in 360 degrees, basically. And like the power requirements alone were like, this would never be worth it, even if I wanted to spend $50,000 on whatever this game would cost. And instead, you have a 16-foot bowling lane in your garage. Oh, dude, do you guys want to talk about... We should have a big ball bowler episode. Is Johnny back yet? I don't want to get too off the rails. 
That was a massive microphone stand drop, apparently. Oh, <laughs> you, God. I guess it, you dropped it out the window. So for our second <laughs> resource, we're going to talk about big ball bowlers. And I think the best resources for this are pinrepair.com and St. Louis big ball bowlers. What is your end game with that bowling lane? So like I'm not so the so the, the listeners understand. I'm not I'm not uh, exaggerating when I say you have a 16 foot long uh, bowling lane in your garage that doesn't work. So explain it has to a me, small Tyler. issue. It, it it mostly works. I could have plugged it in. I just have a bunch. Is of- the small issue that it doesn't work because that's. No, I know exactly <laughs> what solenoid has a problem and what switches I need to look at. So, I mean, is it that you're going to fix this thing and then just like be really into bowling all of a sudden? Like, what so is I your bought it, I bought it working and then the guy lied when he told me it was working, but it was a 14 hour round trip. It was the longest day of my life. So I, I wasn't going to be like, oh, well, f- you guy, I guess I'm leaving. These are they're super rare to find. You can't find these. That's why I had to drive so long to get one but yeah then i'm gonna have a fucking bowling alley in my house and it's gonna be cool stefan you're not you're never gonna play it yeah but it's cool stuff i don't think but you yeah. understand but... so just so all the kids listening who don't know in like the 1950s through the 70s electromechanic bowling alleys that were like 13 to 20 feet long were in arcades and they were super cool and i guess skee-ball replaced them probably just the fact that they were incredibly expensive and hard to maintain replaced them. But uh, yeah, you can go get a bowling alley if you want to in your house. And you should. I feel like if you're going to go through that effort, you just like get an actual bowling alley. Like, not like a 50s arcade version. Real bowling alleys are very expensive. <laughs> but there well, is a the- guy on the Big Box PC gaming group on Facebook. Oh, another great resource we might talk about um, who has two bowling alleys in his house. And I mean, if you're going to PC commit, collection commit. lines, the bowling alley, what'd you say? Go, go big or go home. Isn't that what we're all about? In the There's topic? like, so the ball, the ball bowlers that I, I quote unquote, I'm into are from like the sixties and seventies. And they also have modern ones that you can get that are probably really expensive. Let's how much does it cost to have a home bowling alley? Stefan, let's, let's get a basement. Oh, let's get a, okay. We have to abandon the conversation now. Oh, what? Johnny's back. Oh, we're just talking. We're just looking up how much it would cost to install an actual bowling alley into our house. About one hundred and forty thousand dollars. No, you can. That's the fancy one. So one hundred ten thousand yeah, sure dollars for the mid-range one. Out. I bet you could do it cheaper. Yeah. It probably depends on uh, how how driven you are to have like an automatic ball return. Sure, like I'm sure you could like. And- I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff you could like install yourself. Like if you wanted to put the floor in yourself versus having someone else come in and do it. You know, um, you know, like my garage renovation right now, a quarter of the cost is materials and three quarters of that is labor. So, yep. And I'm sure like, like one lane, like the difference between one lane and two lane is probably minimal. It just comes down to material. Sure. Because like the equipment cost, which is probably a large upfront of it, you know, once you install that. No big deal, just like at a regular bowling alley. One lane's one hundred ten thousand, two lanes one hundred forty one thousand. So, go now. Comes with a touchscreen. Woo, man! I, I think if you are installing like your own bowling alley thing, like maybe just set up an iPad. Oh wow, this is like this comes with the like twenty balls, thirty pairs of shoes. This is like for people who are like, I'm a rich guy. I want to have a bowling alley in my in my. There's no way in hell 110,000 is like bare bones, like entry level. There's no way. 
But I mean, there's a, you got to put a lot of renovation into the space besides just the installation of the bowling alley too. So yeah, unless you're just going to have like a shitty, like an amazing bowling alley in like your shitty basement. I mean, I'm sure there's tons of people who do that. I mean, that's so anyway, but, yeah. Johnny's back. I'm going to actually have to cut some of this because people don't want to hear about home bowling alley installations. <laughs> Johnny, do you want to talk about maybe a resource? No, I don't. <laughs> All right, Stefan, uh, that's it for the show, guys. I hope you guys check Thanks out Redmeme's video on Usenet. <laughs> you want to talk about a resource? Nope. <laughs> All right, no, I'll talk about Racket Boy. So Racket Boy is a website that's been around for a long time. It also has a forum. I don't know how active the forum is anymore. It used to be... It didn't look very active. Like, it wasn't that active before there were you know the diehards there's people who just live on racket boy and, and racket boy is like a person who's who's recently started to post on instagram and stuff and he still refreshes his articles i say he because it says boy um if anyone is curious why i'm gendering this uh the thing that racket boy though did on that website that i was interested in was it had like Oh, it, I mean, it had like their hidden gems list, but it like, or good games or rare games under, under, they had these articles, but the big one was like the rarest, most expensive games. And especially as I was new to collecting, you know, 2005, six, seven, nine, ten, I would be like, oh man, Racket Boy put up a new list. Let me go look at it. And sometimes it would be like, he at least dates them. So I'd be like, oh, well, it's out of date, but hopefully the information isn't varying too much. Like, don't rely on it for the price, but this is a list that people go out and follow. So it's a good thing to know about this list. And he's started to redo those lists and um, update it for newer systems and systems he hadn't done before. So I still find that valuable just to understand, even if it is not 100% accurate, what what people think is is the most rare or hidden gems. I think it's interesting to know what those are. And then it, I I found Racket Boy's approach to it to be pretty reasonable. And sometimes you'd throw out like interesting Japanese stuff in there that'll always be like a little section, you know, and it wasn't like too much information. He didn't like kill you. So it was like a easy, good place to go and uh, take a quick look and then maybe get some idea of what prices were going to look like in today's day and age of uh of collecting and covid marketplaces and high-end game rooms all the prices are kind of out the window who knows what's going on with prices or what the next price for anything is but it, it was an interesting starting point so racket boy was a place that i used i don't know if uh, either of you guys did you guys have any feelings on racket boy yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've been looking at Racket Boy for years. Um, the thing that Racket Boy has that almost no one else has is that he has articles on collecting video games. And I guess there's the, YouTube has kind of replaced this niche. You know, you can go, oh, these are the rarest games in this. These are the hidden gems on this. Um, but there aren't many websites that are just dedicated to easy, very easy to digest articles on game collecting. Yeah, and, and this especially back then, like there, yeah. before YouTube was this prevalent, right? Like Racket Boy was a place you could find an article. Yeah, it's not like a, a database like Atari Age or Nintendo Age that has like, oh, here's all the variants and all the rarities and go sort it out for yourself. It was all made in an easy to digest way. Um, and then like it's a little bit surface level, so it, it never goes into like the weird variants or things like that. It'll always be like, oh, 
The rare Sega CD games are KO, Snatcher, and the Space Adventure. But then the interesting thing to me, usually in terms of like gleaning information, is at the bottom of the article, you, you mentioned this, there would be like a the honorable like games to keep an eye on or like games that didn't yeah. quite make the list. And even if the article was outdated, those would always end up being the more interesting games. Because I guarantee something like uh, Hurricanes on NES, that's a game that used to be $5 and now a cartridge of it is probably two or $300. Or maybe a hundred dollars. I don't know, but that would probably have been on like the these games are rare but not expensive yet list. And uh, right, yeah. So there, there's there's some cool stuff like that, and there's some other articles on there. Like uh, I'm looking at one: building a completionist Sega collection without going overboard. That I don't know. I like Racket yeah. Boy, and maybe not the most accurate for like really nitty gritty stuff, but it's not the worst. No, it it's a great place to start, and it, it's I still find it useful. Like I will still sometimes go back and reference, be like, what was that thing I read there? Um, and I, I do it as like a comparison, like where's the world now compared to what, what this list think of it. Like, I still find it to be a pretty apt comparison point. And, you know, like you said, easy to digest, pretty well written overall too. It doesn't talk to you like you're an idiot. I, I think it has the right tone, uh, to speak to collectors too. So, you know, it, it assumes, you know, something, but you know, it doesn't assume that you're a no, nothing. I, I think it's good. My feelings are positive on Racket Boy. Yeah, I uh, I think the only thing that I'd say is that, and it's not a make or break issue for me, but I generally don't care for uh, sites that list prices, just because I feel that's dating it, you know, dating the information. And by the time I see it, it's already like, especially now, Jesus Christ, with how fast things change as far as value go, um, it's. Uh, I I just I'd I'd rather have the information without there being a like a hard price associated with it. I kind of like the price because then you can see like if the article was three years old or two years old, you can see what the hell happened. It used to be this, and now we're here. So yeah, I, I, so I, the only the only reason that I don't like it is that you know people who are not who don't understand that it's dated uh, may end up like trying to like hold someone to a price. Um, I don't think that is that is then outdated. It, no, they I, will they will if it hits SEO first, right? Because you know, those people will just take whatever they find first. So if it's if it happens to be an outdated article, then that's what they're going to uh, that's what they're going to take. I don't know. I mean, so like, I know that like so, Racket Boys prices are always so ridiculous. They'll always be like one to three hundred dollars, or like something like Atlantis Two on Atari Twenty Six Hundred. They might be like you know, somewhere between two thousand and thirty thousand dollars. I think this would lie in because there's just no sales information on it from any time recently. But all right, we got a, a bunch of things to get through. Unless we have any more points, I think we think Racket Boy nope. pretty good resource and a good place to start learning about uh, what are some of the more obvious interesting things of various console libraries yeah you could do worse than just going through all the racket boy if you want just a rarest collection uh just following their list and buying those things you could do worse than that the rarest yeah so next up is r10s resource. on youtube <laughs> yeah, not a good one <laughs> uh Stefan, so, this would be your Stephen. chance to bring oh. up something and talk about it sure Unless you want to nope out like nope. Johnny. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about Facebook groups? Sure. sure. Cool. So, I personally use Facebook groups a lot. Uh, I think from a like from a social media perspective, as far as um, finding things, especially finding things for sale, um, that's what I personally use more than anything. I think um, 
Facebook is very good at like being able to dial in like a group for anything that you want in particular. And like, even if it's just like, oh, I don't really know what I uh, I, what I'm looking for, like you can start very general by like searching groups for video games and then just kind of scroll through. And a lot of times the um, more popular groups or the larger groups will filter to the top. So like, even if it's just like, um, you know, like you just want to be around people in general, like you just want to be part of a large of a large gaming group, then those are like super, super easy to find. And then from there, you can like continue to dial in and find groups that are, you know, very specific uh, to your, um, to your wants and needs. So um, like, for instance, the general group that I like is console purist. It's actually not as active as it used to be, but there's like 18,000 eyeballs. So if I just want a lot of eyes on something, that's a really good group uh, to go to. Um, I've got a couple for like, um, the original artwork for video games. Well, okay. The, the full, the full name of the group is original artwork for video games, pinball, board games, RPGs, and other games, uh, is the other name games. of, yeah, other GMs. Um, they just really had to cram it in there. Um, but, uh, as ridiculous as uh, a name as that group is, uh, it is like all of the, or a lot of the premier art collectors in in the in the scene are there um and actually that that group is run by dan maresca uh who is a prevalent art collector and also you probably know him for selling the hundred thousand dollar mario game um so uh and for buying yeah and for and for buying the two hundred thousand dollar contra cover art (laughs) um or the uh what is it probe protectors so that what yep. is, yeah, probotectors. Probotectors. No, was the art made for probotectors before Contra? Yes. Oh, weird. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, if you're into collecting displays, you have video game, ki- uh, video game kiosk and display collectors. If you want to uh, check out what's going on with Wada, show off your Wada certified games is a good group. Uh, you guys want to talk about high end game room? Uh, sure, it's a group you could go to if you want you to. Go s- to. Yeah, it's it's a group that you should not use uh, for. Let's see how to put this uh, gently. Okay, yeah, they there's a lot of guys with more money than deep knowledge, uh, and this isn't it's not a slam on them, but but it also is right. So they they have. A lot of funds, and they have come from a lot of different places, and they're some of them are new, some of them are not, some of them are old collectors. But you have like so you have this mix of guys who just came in from the comic world or card world, and they don't have all the deep video game knowledge, but they know that it is a hot place to be, and there's opportunity there. So following the trends of that group is something to do. Seeing what. Uh, top end and like what people are really spending money on that is valuable information but listening to what someone says is rare or what they think is a thing may not always be the best so take any information that someone puts out or what they think with a grain of salt but definitely a place to look for trends yeah i i would agree with that is it is not a necessarily a source of truth uh, but if you want to keep your fingers on the pulse of what that end of the spectrum in this hobby is going after or interested in, 
um, then high-end game room is a great place to be. That's also where I am uh, conducting a guerrilla war to try to popularize pogs because I think it's funny. Oh, no, 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 we're not doing it. Absolutely not. I will not let you bring that. I'm not letting you interject pogs into this episode. Tyler, do you got another group you want to talk about? I just want to say that in the uh, in the places like the high-end game room and the, the WADA group, so there's a separate WADA discussion group and a sales group, I would almost ignore the prices in those groups. There's a lot of people, because like this whole... whole high-end video like high-end video game flipping kind of thing after the 2019 mario sale has made a lot of prices crazy and there are people who like literally will go buy a game for four hundred dollars and then they'll list it for they'll grade it and then list it for sale for thirty five hundred dollars immediately so a lot of people are just kind of flipping things trying to flip things at absolutely ridiculous prices uh but it is it, it is fun to keep an eye on what they're interested in it's not often I'll see like, oh, there's an interesting variant. It'll be like, oh my god, there's another copy of Ice Climber. Oh, oh, look, a sealed Final Fantasy VII. Cool. But uh, sometimes in the comments, if you dig into those groups, someone will be like, oh, is that the first print? And it'll be like one in a hundred posts. And then someone will put like a really detailed thing. I'm like, here are the four print runs of Final Fantasy VII and how to identify them. It's like, whoa, I got some information. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that is a thing that happens. Yeah. Um. I, so Facebook I want to counter what Stefan said because right? Stefan says multiple times on this show to just put in like a video game term and join the top group. And I'm in a bunch of these uh, kind of like Super Nintendo and Nintendo groups and kind of the the ones that are full of, you know, 18,000 people are not always the most exciting. It's always like, ah, want to buy Hagane. No, but it's not it's not about it's not about exciting. It's about coverage. It's about like it. The, it's not it's not consuming those groups it's about broadcasting to those groups yeah the, yeah this is what stefan uses if he needs something because there's a lot of people so right that that's his framing like not for, that you will get a lot of good information because it's going to be a lot of people being like hey i like zelda and then a bunch of people shouting i like zelda too <laughs> like not the number two but as in t-o-o <laughs> I will. Uh, I, I talk about it all the time the big box PC game marketplace and the big box PC game collectors groups. Some of the best resources for not only buying. Well, buying is useless because everyone in PC games wants all PC games. Um, but uh, just getting information on variants and weird stuff like that. Just dig into those archives whenever you need to know something about PC games. And then I'll give a shout out to the filthy games room, which I'm hot and cold on, but it seems to be largely full of. I'm going to say the types of people who would listen to this show. It's not like, oh, I need a Mario three cart. Cause I want to start playing my old Nintendo again. It is largely full of collectors who are after a lot of more interesting stuff. So I, I just like that as a marketplace. That's actually where I bought my Hagane cart. Yeah. It, it's like an okay marketplace, but I, because it is like primarily a marketplace too, you got a lot of people who, who don't give a shit and they're just resellers. So I, I find a lot of it is just, hey, here's this thing you could buy on eBay, but you could pay me eBay prices too. And then they want to fight you on it. You're like, wow, why would I pay you random Facebook guy, friends and family, the same price that I could get it on eBay for? Why would I do this? Well, I couldn't, I couldn't find Hagani on eBay. They were all wrecked. And I found one on the filthy game no, I, room. So I, I'm not saying it's not a, look, you should know all the marketplaces because like Macari is also a marketplace, uh, you know, kind of like a Facebook marketplace. It's uh, like a Craigslist thing where you can go find things. I'm not saying it's the best, but it, it is sometimes useful. Um, keep it keep it under your hat as a place to look, 
but you know, know what you're going to get there. Sometimes I'm also hot and cold on that room. I, I've, I've been in a few fights on, in that uh, forum. A few. It's like the high end game room. There's some silliness, but uh, yeah, it's funny. I mean, that's to Facebook, sometimes. right? It, Facebook is cancer. So that's how I feel about Facebook in general. Like I, I, I try so hard not to even post on anything. Like I want to buy more from a lot of these groups, but I can't because I actually just hate Facebook that much and all the, all the nonsense that goes on there. And then like the way people talk to each other on Facebook, like everybody's an ass. It, it kills me the way people talk to each other. So like you, I I made a joke, um, with, uh, Hyrule vice, right? So Andrew, like we were having a conversation in one of these groups and I, said, here's my, I'm going to use the Facebook argument tactic. I'm going to, re- you said something. I'm going to repeat what I said and then ignore all of your counterpoints. Am I doing the Facebook arguing thing? Immediately, like three days after I got into a, an argument where I was just asking a question, the person, I, I bring up a bunch of points and I say, hey, well, what about this? They just repeat word for word the exact thing they said and then ignored all of my points. I was like, I, I tagged Andrew. I'm like, is, is this... Is this it? Did what? this this just happened, right? Like, was I, this uh, uh, regarding a fight you had about whether people should be able to price police posts in Facebook yeah, yeah. groups? Oh yes. Well, no, 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 no. Oh. I didn't say uh, I didn't say price police. Like, you see, you're framing it like they framed it. I said I think you should be able to ask why a price is high or what it is. I didn't say you should be allowed to come in and be an ass, right? I didn't think you. I don't think you should be able to come in to someone's post and then shit all over them. But I think you can. You should be able to talk about prices and I will, I will sit up here and I will touch this taboo in front of everybody because everyone is like, okay, seller asked for a price. A price is some holy relic. You can't, you can't ask a seller why they priced it like that. It's their object. They can do whatever they want. Like, yeah, you're in a discussion group. You can ask for a billion dollars. I can say, well, that seems crazy. Why are you asking a billion dollars? And then you can respond why. And that's how discussions happen. That doesn't mean I should come in and say, you're a f-ing dummy for asking that price. I'm not saying do that. What I am saying is like, if something has an extreme price tag, when we can all have sites like that, we'll talk about like video game price charting and eBay and game value. Now where we go and we look at prices and you are an extreme outlier to that price. I want to know why that is. That's a fair question to ask, but people act like, Oh, you can't talk it and you will get in trouble. They'll ban you from groups like, Oh, you can't do that. But if a price is too low, everyone can be like, man, that was a great deal. I can't believe you sold it that well. So it's okay to make the seller feel like an idiot on that point. But if, if they ask for a high price, you have to just leave it alone and act like nothing happened. And then everyone can just read that price and think that that's okay. But don't, don't, don't mention it to them. They're so sensitive and their skin is so thin. They'll get really upset. If you don't like my price, just walk away. <laughs> don't ask me about it. I'll get really sad on the inside. It's so dumb. I hate it so very much. So as Johnny's uh, pointed out, a lot of these Facebook groups, I would say probably all of them do not let you police prices, uh, which I'm mostly on Johnny's side with. I wish that people would be allowed to police prices because when people break those rules, especially for things that like rarely sell like a rare pinball machine or something, and then someone's like, that's not worth blah, blah, blah. It sold last year for $2,000 less or something. You know, that helps people as a buyer figure that stuff out, but... That's that's the breaks of, of Facebook Marketplace, I guess. There is one more group I wanted to bring up, Pocket Top Talk. It's all for for all your metal tops and fidget toys. No, uh, we're we're no, getting close no, to five thousand members here. So if you're into high end tops, high, 
Tyler. Uh, if you're going to spend like $300 on a top, you want to come to Pocket Top Talk. Tyler. What? No. Um, Okay, so also there's this place where you can go if you're sad. Uh, If you're really sad, you can come to the Pirates of Dark Waters Rules Facebook group. (laughs) You know what? If you had your price policed and that made you really sad, there's a place for you. (laughs) And it's the Pirates of Dark Water Rules on Facebook. You can go there and you can talk about how sad that made you. And there'll be a bunch of other sad people there who will uh, send you Facebook hugs. They'll they'll put the new care emoji on there, a little hug in a heart, and you'll feel better about your life. So go there and, and check that out. <laughs> Tyler, what's our next resource? As we've now covered what a shitty and scummy place Facebook is, and uh, it is though it is sometimes useful and a necessary evil in our world, uh, what's somewhere else, something else we can talk about? All right, I want to... Uh... I want to bring up Game Rave. I know this is a very kind of, this is a smaller uh, resource, Ooh. but uh, game-rave.com is probably the best resource for PlayStation 1 information. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, run by Danger Boy, who of course we brought up on the show before, who knows everything about the original yeah. PlayStation. Uh, and you can go there for, if you want like not stupid. He's also on Facebook. He's in the PlayStation Collectors group on Facebook as well. Okay. Yeah. If you want like a serious list of exactly what PlayStation games come out, or like I, I want a list of every Lightspan game and all of their SLUS numbers. I don't even know if they have SLUS numbers, or I'm sure he has uh, foreign lists and things like that. If you want them to be a hundred percent correct, go to GameRave and don't copy paste a list that you found on Reddit, um, because he's been seriously documenting a lot of PlayStation stuff. Uh, he has individual articles for a lot of the games. And something I found more recently is Game Rave TV, which is his YouTube channel, is yep. uh, really interesting. He went into, um, oh, damn. What did I say? I sent you guys um, one of his most recent videos. And I'm like, wow, this is like real collecting content. And uh, no one's watching it. It has 148 views. It's called uh, Milestone Games Physical Edition. And uh, he's just pointing out key games in the PlayStation library that are kind of weird. Like there's like weird variants and like he's talking about, oh, this was the first game that came on four discs and just like all this kind of interesting information about collecting the set and no one's watching it. It's like my YouTube channel has more views than some of his videos and my YouTube channel's garbage. Yeah, no so, one watches uh, your channel. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Well, <laughs> Stefan does. Jo- Stefan watches it 200 <laughs> times. Johnny watches it once. I do. I I watch Sometimes your, too. I watch your content so much. Yeah. I watch everything you do and I make sure I like and sometimes I even comment. Thanks. Yeah. The uh when you uh picked apart all of the the websites that video. I watched that so many times. <laughs> so, uh, Fix your Tyler, website is like burned into my brain. Tyler, since you brought up Game Rave, why don't you uh lump in SNES Central and all that as well because I think that's like a parallel site. Almost. So I, I know less about SNES Central, but uh, SNES Central also just one guy who has thoroughly documented the Super Nintendo. And uh, SNES Central is where you would go to get PCB pictures of yep. uh, legit Super Nintendo games. So if you open up a game and you want to know if it's legit, you can compare it to the SNES Central. Why are you saying SNES Central? You got me saying SNES, which is the wrong way to pronounce things. Really, in most cases, you should like 99.9% of the time learn how to understand if a game is real just by looking at the PCB and going, this is a real Nintendo PCB. But if you do want to compare it to an actual PCB, which there may be many revisions of, so you can't just depend on one picture, uh, SNES Central uh, would be a good place to go as well. And I'm calling these guys out in particular because the places like GameRave, like his literal thumbnail is, uh, you know, a 
a dude wearing a hat behind a wall of video games, which is like 90% of YouTubers who also have no subscribers. But he's such an exceptional PlayStation resource. That I don't want people to think that we're just calling out some collector guy we think is cool. No, he, that, like, when, when people ask, like, oh, man, how did you do your PlayStation research? I'm like, well, I, I learned through doing, but also Game Rave, like, 100% Game Rave, go to Game Rave. That's the first place you should start. Why are you talking to me? Go to Game Rave first. That's where all your questions will be answered. That's where I still go. So, imagine, 100%. imagine you're naming your PlayStation resource and you're like, we're going to name it Game Rave. People will understand what that is just by hearing. Well, I, to be fair, Jason, I, I think his thing was out there for a long time, right? He's been around for years yeah. and years. So, you know, you get trapped in these names uh, and then that's just your name, the, the name of your thing and too much to change it at that point. But uh, I wanted to also talk more about SNES Central. Yeah. So... They also have, like, if you're looking for all the PAL titles, name changes. So, like, when I was doing my research to find out what the exclusives were, what games have changed names, like, get box art. This is the place to do it. They also have a Discord, which you can join. So, check that out. It's I, I'm a member there. I don't post actively in their Discord or anything, but I, I do watch what people say in there. And, like, new board pictures come up. So, it is, uh, it is an excellent super nintendo resource so um yeah like all the obscure stuff demos and stuff like there's just so much there if you are deep into super nintendo like more than surface level collecting uh this is the place you should be and then if you are buying expensive super nintendo games and you want to check the boards like tyler said this is this is your forum or this is your your website just to jump on the train because i don't really want to talk about like nes world nes world is a very similar site for um NES games. I, was NES World, is that like going back like decades? I don't remember when uh, NES World came out. I mostly wanted to give NES World a shout out because they have perhaps the only nearly complete published list of NES homebrew games, which are not documented almost anywhere besides uh, the Video Game Sage Forum has one that's pretty good right now too. And uh, there's also a, a book on it, but uh, NES World is uh, one of a hundred sites about NES, but I think it's a pretty good one. Yeah, and again, we're not going into books on this episode. That's going to be a whole other thing, like the books that we find our resources, uh, with maybe one book being an exception that we will mention. So um, let's see. I want to talk about SATACore. So as we're talking about very specific systems, if you want to know about the Saturn, if you are interested in Japanese Saturn, PAL Saturn stuff, U.S., the demos, anything you want to know about the Saturn, this is your site. It's got a form that's not very active attached to it, but it is basically a huge compiling of, of a database about Saturn stuff, complete with pictures. They're really like, there's just no place better for Saturn. If you want, not that I think people are clamoring for Saturn right now, but if you want Saturn stuff, this is the place to go. And when I was finishing up my Saturn stuff and I was finding about some of the rare demos and stuff that I wanted to get. This is what I used. And uh, I know a lot of the other big Saturn guys use this site pretty diligently. So warning, it is an older website. So it's got that clunkiness to it that you associate with the internet from like the mid 2000s. But get over that and then go use this because this is where your best information for Saturn is. So it's kind of like if Nintendo Age was made in the early 2000s and entirely focused on the Sega Saturn. 
Like their database is super good. You, you'll click something and it'll immediately tell you like, this is a European exclusive. This is a Japanese exclusive. There's pictures of uh, almost everything, even like these super obscure demos. Um, I don't care oh, about Saturn this much, but somebody probably does. It's not a great place to go. Like, like Racket Boy is super digestible. Like, ah, let me just learn what the rarest and some Saturn games that are good that are under 50 bucks. It's more like a, I want a list and pictures of everything kind of website. Yeah, this is this is the whole kitchen sink. Like you said, not di- not easily digestible. Though they do have some like easy articles like up at the front where they talk about stuff. But once you start digging into the database, everything you could ever want is there. As long as you put in, and it's not a lot of effort, but just a little bit of effort, you'll get to whatever you need to know about Saturn. Johnny, uh, I think I'm, I'm noticing a pattern is that Video game websites are not great at distilling information and presenting them in a digestible way. That is correct. Uh, But to be fair, most people didn't think you needed to do that. And then YouTube came around and that's where people just go for information. Now there's people don't think you need repositories of information. And that's why forums are dead. Like I don't want to watch a 20 minute video explaining this is the black box set on NES. I want to read the WADA article which has 99% of the things I would ever want to know about the black box games. It's a much better resource than if that was a YouTube video. People are visual learners, Tyler. And another bad part about YouTube, like Satacore, they they have established themselves. We are an authority on the Sega Saturn. Anyone can go put up a YouTube video on Sega Saturn. I don't care yep. about that. No, you go to Satacore and you know they're 100% legit and they can be trusted by looking at all the surrounding content. It It screams at you, we know what we're talking about. YouTube... Like, I could go make a video on uh, Jaguar collecting and people might believe me on accident. Though you should not. You should not trust me on Jaguar collecting, okay? You just shouldn't. First release of Rayman. I do like the concept of believing someone on accident. That's fine. Yeah. Well, they're just like, well, Johnny knows about games and he must know about this one, but I could just trick you and that's that's not cool. Yeah, that's not cool, Johnny. Why are you tricking people? I'm not. I just told them, I just called myself out. Don't trust me on Jaguar collecting. <laughs> I know a little bit about it, but I wouldn't call myself any kind of authority on Jaguar collecting. Hey, get I, Tari carts. Yeah, that I, one's a hard one. And everyone loves <laughs> that. Alien versus Predator. Yay. I am it. an authority on Pogs, though, so everyone should. Stefan, please stop it. No, you're not. <laughs> Move on. Get out of here with that. I don't, what, isn't bootlegs, does not bootlegs destroy the entire Pogs industry? Can't anybody print some cardboard and cut it out in a circle? It, I I don't know. Hey, Tyler, stop it. Don't (laughs) ask questions. None of this, none of this matters. All of the people I'm trying to affect on this topic uh, don't listen to this podcast, so. Yes, stop. (laughs) You tricked one person and you're just like, I'm going to ride this high forever. I am. Move on. I'm going to make Move it on. Everyone in high-end game room collecting pogs is my goal. Pick a resource and talk about it, Stefan. Oh, so I want to talk about YouTube channels. Can we talk about YouTube channels? Sure. Um, I've got some that I really like. Um, I think so the talk about you YouTube holistically first. Give us some caveats about what's good and what's bad about it, and then go into your specifics, please. Yeah. So I mean, YouTube, for one thing, like because of the way that you that content works in the algorithm, um, a lot of it is is serving like the it, it's it's serving content toward to the lowest common denominator. So like you'll get a lot of very like top level. Uh, topics are very broad or very vague topics like you know top 10 lists are very very popular 
um, because people watch them, and so that is it's a it's a snake eating its own tail. It's a self self fulfilling uh, issue, um, and uh, so yeah, I think that you have to kind of really dig down to find people that are giving you information that's worthwhile um because honestly the, the the a lot of the people who are giving you like genuine information aren't the most popular so you do have to kind of dig for them um having said that um i think uh the the first the first um channel that i want to talk about that i think all three of us love is uh, my life in gaming yep absolutely and uh, and I apologize in because uh, I'm I have Piper in my lap right now. So my life in gaming is really good if you um, want to. They they really specialize in um, hardware, or a lot of times specialize in hardware specifically how to get the most out of your uh, retro console, or um, and that that goes both ways. Either like figuring out what the highest end equipment is of the period. Um, and so if you want to play your stuff on original hardware and with like a CRT, like they go, they'll walk you through like what a PVM is and, 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 uh, and what you should be looking for in a CRT and, and all that kind of stuff and, and talk about scalers. On the other end, they're also very good at teaching you how to uh, connect your, your classic consoles on into modern hardware and use modern displays. So it's really, they, they, they really kind of go in depth going both directions and that's what i really like about them yeah and they're the kind of uh really stickler ass like me who would be like don't play that on a super game boy one you need to get the japanese super game boy two or you're playing garbage video games on your tv and they're super nice guys they would never say anything like that but i do appreciate their their detail i also they're detail oriented and and correct about getting a good image and what kind of like the best hardware and what solutions are out there. They aren't like willy nilly doing a Google search and giving you the best of, of the the top 10 hits on Google. And actually they generally have all like, if they're talking about like, here's the four ways you could do this, they will have all of them and then show you comparison videos of it. Yeah. They will, they will show you all four ways and, and they are very, they're also very transparent when it comes to, you know, they'll show you the very top end, but then go, well, you know, for anyone aside from the people who are really like chasing that razor pixel, S video might be great for the vast majority of people. So like they'll they they don't just like on the middle of the of the uh, of the spectrum as far as like options you can go with. They they don't they don't preach the high end. Like they show you the high end, but then also like show you the rest so that you can make an informed decision of of uh of which path you want to go down because dialing in like a retro setup, you know, is it's one of those things where you can spend as much money as you want to spend, um, on that, on that kind of thing. So, um, so they're very good at kind of showing you all the options. So I I don't think we need to go super deep on my life in gaming just because they're a pretty big YouTube channel. Uh, I just want to say that, uh, they're probably the only like gaming hardware channel I respect in terms of like getting image out of your, uh, Thing besides retro RGB, because they were the only review I remember that pointed out the NES sound lag in the NES Classic, and every other major resource was like the emulation in the NES Classic is fantastic. So, uh, shout out to my it's life and game for actually knowing what the f- they're talking about. This is one of Tyler's favorite things to complain about. I hate it's such a bad product. 
It's so bad. How bad is it, Tyler? It's bad. How bad? It's the worst NES emulator that's ever been made. Okay. Wow. Uh, are you going to put a hyperbole warning in there? Or that's you, not hyperbole. I would rather play on a Famiclone that has the, the bit-flipped Castlevania 3 sound problem. Because who cares about that? At least my sound is playing at the right time. Ooh, so feisty. It's the Man, worst. Feisty. Okay. So moving on. Uh, another <laughs> yep. channel, and, and Tyler actually name-dropped it earlier when he was saying nice things about my life in gaming. But I also want to talk about Retro RGB. Um, Bob from Retro RGB is... His content is there. It's it's there's a lot of similarities between his content and my life in gaming as far as topics. But uh, retro RGB does tend to go like a layer deeper. Um, in, in in like like for instance, when they're talking about like lag on scalers, uh, Bob just recently did a video where he like busts out a, a, a like a, a, an oscope an oscilloscope and like shows you. <laughs> the the number you know the the frames of lag in each of these products so you can so you can make a very very informed decision so like i feel like his content often preaches to like the top like five percent of my life and gaming's audience but if you like really want to get super granular about tech specs and that kind of thing retro rgb is a great resource they also do a like a retro roundup uh that talks about all of the again it's like all the news pieces that are going to be a little bit more granular like oh they here's a new uh replacement power supply for the dreamcast that just came out or like there's a kickstarter for some like really obscure like soundboard replica or like whatever like that kind of stuff it's it's really a good resource for he also does um q a's and if you um this is like a, a patreon tier thing for him and it's like a dollar for his patreon but um he he goes through and will um answer every single question from his uh from his patreon users uh that week and even if you don't subscribe to his patreon you can just like go to the youtube channel and watch the watch the uh the q a and there's a lot of really really good questions that are asked so, um, so that's a, a, a great resource too. The, the last piece of this I'd mentioned for retro RGB is, is actually retrorgb.com. It's very good, uh, for specifically for finding hardware. Um, and so, or, or like, you know, trouble or troubleshooting or finding, um, pieces of hardware for very specific things that you want to do. So, um, and that's especially, uh, as the name might infer, retro RGB, that especially is, uh, goes towards uh, RGB modding systems or, or using RGB. So, um, the virtualrgb.com will be will just like break it down for you and you just like say, oh, I want to see every like RGB, um, every RGB topic or every RGB product for the Dreamcast and it'll like show you everything or the Saturn will show you everything. So his website is also a very, very good resource. And even if you don't care about RGB and modding and all that kind of stuff, the articles are just called how to get the best picture from my Sega Dreamcast. And it'll be like, well, if you want to mod it, you could do this. If you just want the best picture and you're really lazy, you can just go this way. He's also very not precious about the high end. So like, you know, he's very open about saying things like, you know, any CRT is better, is, 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 is fine. Like 
it's it's better than a, a shitty LCD monitor or whatever, right? Like so, he, like he's very he's he he will tell you about the like ultra crazy high end again, like my life in gaming does. But then also it'd be like, you know what? Just pick off you know pick a TV up off the side of the road that has S video on it, and it's pretty good. Like so, um, so I I do like again that he's not very precious about about the high end of the market. All right, what wanna, else we got? I, I know you got some on here, Tyler. You want to take over for a minute? All right, sure. We've we've talked about the gaming historian on this channel before. Uh, not super collector focused, but I think uh, you know part of kind of collecting games is is knowing the history behind certain objects, certain consoles. Uh, it certainly makes you more informed if you're looking for something specific about that console. Um, one of the only really serious uh, gaming history channels I think that really takes like in depth looks with original research, not just like here's the Wikipedia type information on this object. Uh, so Norm, the gaming historian, really cool. Kim justice is, uh, mostly a let's player, but also sometimes just will make a two hour documentary. Um, and that's entirely, almost entirely British microcomputers. So, uh, Commodore, uh, 64, Amiga, ZX spectrum, CPC, things like that. Um, so if you're into that, that's one of the best places I know reserved investments. We always bring up on this show, uh, agree with him or not. Honestly, one of the only people talking about video games seriously as a collectible, that's probably my biggest problem on YouTube is I know there are literally a million game collectors that, uh, post my hauls. Let me talk about some games. It's so hard to know who knows what they're talking about and is actually giving info rather than just showing off like, uh, spend $200 and I got a rule of rose. Um, so I like it's the kind of the same issue. Two hundred dollars. Like, why collectors quest exists, <laughs> right? There's not enough podcasts yeah. where people talk about collecting video games. So, and the bottom of this YouTube video, can everyone please send me a private message and let me know game collectors on YouTube who talk almost exclusively about the collecting side of game and like give information out, not just like oh here's what I bought this week, spent forty dollars on Suikoden on the PS One, on these hidden gems. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I'm yeah. giving a shout out to Reserved Investments, even though like 90% of his content not related to video games. That's but not it, true. But it's not nice true. that they're, there's nice that they're, look, um, I've said it about our show and, you know, a little bit about Reserved Investments. Collectors, uh, there's a universi universality to that, uh, to the act of collecting. And there are ties that, that bind most collectors, whether you're collecting Pogs, you know, <laughs> video games, books, <laughs> comics, cards. I did there, it. Uh, yeah, I'm, that was a that was for you, Stefan, because I was <laughs> a little you. rude to you, so I was. <laughs> you so there, there are things that are inherently true just about collecting, and whether you are listening to this podcast and then collecting something else, you can apply some of the lessons we hand out here. And I think you can kind of do the same thing with re reserved investments. But again, take reserved investments with a grain of salt. There's many people who, who dislike him. There are many people who like him very much. Uh, but there, there are things to be gleaned there. And Tyler's in the camp of liking very much, as if you guys didn't know. If nothing else, I think it's very entertaining and I love the way he talks. I love how he does these like subscriber milestone Q and A's, but he does so much of them that like by the time he finishes one, he has to do another one. But he, he 
Well, I like how he tears into the questions he gets. He'll get like a question like, should I invest in NES and SNES games? And he'll be like, well, if you were a sophisticated investor, why aren't you just putting it into the S&P 500 companies? Or coins, currency, collectible first edition books, art. I wanted to get off on a, a GamePZ book club note. Because uh, Johnny was saying that you can apply things from other collectibles to video games. Which, considering there is a lack of... I don't want to say good game collecting content in the market. There's somewhat of a lack of good game collecting content in the market of people who are like seriously collecting video games. Like even not like, uh, I'm going to say me and Johnny who like, we buy a lot of video games. We document a lot of stuff on video games. Stefan is off in his own world buying original art. So I don't even, Stefan, I'm going to call a serious video game collector. <laughs> um, a serious video game collector that doesn't collect video games. But uh, there's not great, information on specifically video game collecting so i'm reading a book on reserved investments recommendation mint condition which is all about baseball card collecting and i've already like it's already like changing my opinion on things like video game variants and you can take paragraphs out of this book and you just change the word baseball card to video games and you're like oh my god this is this is what's happening the second chapter of the book is this old-time collector guy who has everything he's the stefan all he does is collect uncut sheets and original art now and he's like the graders came into the space and they ruined everything. All of a sudden, there were all these people who didn't care about baseball cards in the space. And they were just like, how much is this worth? How much can I flip this for? Grading cards ruined the entire hobby. And it's like, oh my God, this is, this, this people think that accurate in video games. It's like, I'm watching it happen right now. Oh my God. And then, <laughs> uh, and then it also starts talking about this set of baseball cards called the old judge set from the 1800s. And there are 500 cards with over 4,500 known variants so far. And like, it, there's enough variants that even to today, in the set from the 1800s, they still occasionally will find a new variant. And it's got me thinking, like, do variants even matter? Is information knowable? Like, I don't even know what to do anymore. And this is a book on baseball card collecting. And it's going to make me like... <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I'm going to take world-class track meet off my NES list, and I'm just going to say, no, it's a stadium events variant. This doesn't tracking things based on title doesn't even make sense is information knowable is information knowable i don't think it is <laughs> so uh along along the same lines all we didn't put it on the list but um alpha investments if uh, you are on the investment track of video games it, it, this is about magic cards and a lot of it is like box openings but he has videos where he talks about what the market of magic cards looks like uh, and there are some definitely comparables. So if you were looking for other like collector or investor specific about a collectible, he's another one you could go put your eyes on. Um, I mean, be selective with his videos. Know that he does it uh, as an entertainment channel and to make money, right? Like he, <laughs> he and everyone in these things, if they are sponsored or if this is a primary source of income, know that they have to put out content because you know, they, they make money and they, they help themselves survive this way. So grain of salt there, but I still think it's a good channel and there's things to be gleaned there about, uh, especially with the new investor wave in video game collecting. And you can look at the magic market and see where, where some parallels lie. I, yeah, totally agree. So one of the things that people will say over and over again is that the, the magic Pokemon and video games market are all in their own speculative bubbles right now. So all the markets can be compared to each other in various ways. And Alpha Investments and Reserved Investments uh, does do that. One of Alpha Investments' recent video uh, was just talking about inflation, where he's like, since coronavirus, like 
everyone bought these things and now they're all worth 50% higher than they bought them for. And everyone feels like an investor genius, but if everything went up, not everyone is an investor genius. It's just that there's inflation in the market or something. And it's a very good video that would apply to every collectible, not just magic cards. Yep. It is a very good video. Everyone could go take a look at that one and learn something. So yeah, uh, it's Rudy. Remember a lot of times he plays a character, but, uh, much like, uh, like angry video game nerd, like angry video game nerd, I find to be very annoying, but when he takes off the angry video game nerd hat and becomes the man and talks about, uh, the hobby, uh, holistically and, and what he's learned about it, that's when I find it interesting. And, uh, Rudy is the same, a little bit of the same. So, but, and he literally will put on different hats to tell you what kind of character he's being in each video, (laughs) which is kind of amusing. Um, he took that metaphor very, uh, very seriously. So Tyler, I didn't know you like hard for games. I saw you add that on that list. I don't I like, like hard for games, but it, so uh, going back to the thing where like, there's all these random people on YouTube and I don't know if they're talking about anything relevant to game collecting. I know a hundred percent that hard for games is like almost entirely relevant information for hardcore retro game people and collectors because it's like every couple of weeks there's a video on some prototype or some weird console or some unreleased like console add-on that I've never even remotely heard of. And uh, I don't watch any of their videos. Yeah, his content is interesting. I'll, I can send you a video that's good because I'm in it. Oh. <laughs> but um, Hardware Games is interesting because uh, he doesn't, they don't really, they used to do a lot of like hunting for this kind of stuff, but... But instead, now that they've they've just kind of made a name for themselves by by having other people like uh, send them things and just like showcase them yeah. or like um, or they have now that they've got they've kind of made a niche for themselves in um, the the 64 DD specifically um, in in like dumping blue discs and sharing that content like they just recently did with uh, Luigi Blood who will, um, that he would be on my list of people to share to follow on Twitter um, but um, Luigi Blood uh, helped them or they they dumped a um, an unreleased version of like the Mario Paint game for the 64 DD which it's not called Mario Paint it's like Mario Studio something Mario but, Artist, I think. but but that was then um, that was then showcased on on Hartford Games and uh, I, I just kind of wanted to point that out because they uh, they get kind of a lot of flack of like you know people are like oh man you just like find everything and it's it's not that it's not that like they're out there like discovering all these gems all the time it's just that they are known for being able to like showcase these things properly and like serve them to an audience so they're getting a lot of a lot of contents uh, or a lot of um like prototypes and stuff like that sent to them to just show the world which i think is really cool yeah and honestly i i never even watched a hard for games video i subscribe to them on youtube because they always show the thing in the thumbnail and now I know, like, oh, that's what a Pokemon Distribution Center GBA looked like, or that's what a Prototype Wii controller looked like. And I just like looking at all the pictures of cool stuff that I'll never own. It's a cool channel. I I, I like I like that you listed a channel that you don't watch. Don't even watch it. Subscribe <laughs> forever. <laughs> all right, so I want to throw out a few channels that I don't like, uh, but you still should pay attention to them a little bit. Archon, so, 1981. Yeah, that's one that sucks. Um, <laughs> like, real bad. It's terrible. I unsubscribed last week. I, I, I don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So, the Metal Jesuses of the World, the um, 
Radical Reggie's, anyone who made a hidden gem video that is popular. So if if you are a popular YouTuber and you are making videos and like R10s, even I don't know if he's popular or not, but if you are of this ilk, be careful of them. So you should know about specifically Metal Jesus and and his whole crew, right? The whole lot of them because they, these are people who go out and they make these videos and they rely on the income or whatever or the feedback and the free games and stuff that that their channels allot them. They have enough that it perpetuates itself. So they need to keep making content. So they will, why do you think they have like nine hidden gem videos for a system that only has like a hundred games? That's crazy, right? If they list 10 each, that's an exaggeration. It's hyperbole, but you get what, where I'm going with this. However, that being said, just because I don't think their information is correct or, or and it's not that it's always wrong or anything, you should know as a collector when one of these things comes out that you may get bit in the ass by it, right? You are suddenly like, I'm tracking this game. I'm tracking this game. I'm looking for a good price. Uh, popular YouTuber X put a video out. Suddenly the game spikes and is no longer on eBay. It's going to double in cost. So you just behoove yourself to know who these people are. And when they're, when they're putting out, uh, you know, videos, uh, what is it? Mondays with Mike used to be a thing that would happen like his hidden gem videos, um, angry video game nerd, like any in, in his channel too. So like know about these people and how they affect the market that you are, you are collecting. in. so like I said, I don't take anything that these people say as gospel, but I do respect their ability to F up the market and screw me on prices. So, uh, I'm wary and, uh, respectful of that. Not in a, I respect you gentlemen, more like, I hate you guys. God damn it. This happened, but I needed to know. Um, I do appreciate that their channels focused on game collecting information. And one thing I want to say, uh, before Johnny complains about them more, I don't know how much like a metal Jesus video coming out now would impact the market on a game. There's so many other factors in the market, especially right now. I think it had a bigger effect early on in, in YouTube's days when there weren't literally a million disparate channels that people were subscribed to. What I think is maybe interesting or important to know is when certain games got spikes. I think everyone pinpoints Hagane spiking in value. Hagane was just like some game. And then it was on, you know, Games with Mike Mondays, whatever it's called. And that is like, you can pinpoint it. That's when the game started spiking. Oh yeah, And that's sure. kind of just like an interesting part of that game's history is that we can point to the person that increased this in price. I'm trying yeah. to think of another example and I'm failing. Right? Oh, I got one. Uh, Little Red Hood on um, NES. Uh, that's not prohibitively expensive or anything, but of the HES set, that is one of the more expensive ones because there's an entire angry video game nerd video about it. You know, but see, I knew it was one of the hard to find ones before that video ever came out. Like that was one I was aware of. Like they said, oh, this is when I was like first getting into collecting you know, that was when I was like, well, oh, what's all the stuff in the other countries? And this is back in like 2006. That was one that popped out to me. So I don't know if I was reading about it on Nintendo Age or some other random place, but it was definitely something that was there before. All right. But go back uh, to complaining th about uh, YouTube. No, channels that's, you don't like. that's it. Like that's that says everything about all those channels. Like you should just be aware that they can affect the marketplace and they still can. Like there was literally radical Reggie just did a video. I don't know, like a month ago or something on GBA games. And then I like looked at all those games and then they were like, all of them were gone from eBay and now all the completed, I mean also coronavirus market and all the other stupid stuff going on. But then they all popped off eBay. They were all sold 
And now you can't find a box copy of any of them anywhere. So it, they still do affect the market. They have enough eyes on their video and enough people who collect, who watch them, that it affects it. Like, whoever we're talking to and whoever's in the high-end game room and all the places we are, however many collectors you actually think are out there and you're like, oh, I know how many collectors there are. There are so many more than that. We haven't talked about the the reddits of the world okay and the other general like we touched vaguely on the other like facebook groups are out there there's a facebook group for every version of every console out there and it's filled with like thousands of people except for probably the jaguar and um you know like the other bad consoles that people don't care that much about but they there are large swaths of people who are just like casual collectors who are opportunistic. So if a big YouTuber tells them to go buy something, they will just go buy it because they think that's a good deal and like, or they're going to miss out. They create like a, a weird FOMO and you know, that wreaks havoc through the market. And these aren't like all the, like the hardcore collectors, like the least hardcore person on Nintendo age is probably, you know, a lot more hardcore than, you know, the middle of the pack on a random Facebook group or, or Reddit people. So just like know your levels uh, on these different sites and like how, like if, how are they getting a hundred thousand views on their video? Who are, who are these eyeballs that are watching it? So you have to imagine who these people are and uh, if they have any buying power, especially on systems that aren't that expensive, like, you know, Oh, go buy this $10,000 game. That's not the videos we're, we're worried about them spiking something on, you know, uh, this $10 game suddenly becomes a $50 game. That stuff happens. And some of the the Metal Jesus videos, I'm just trying to think of uh, some positives here to balance you out, Johnny. Um, I got recommended in my sidebar. There's one um, where you can see Kelsey sprout like crouched over an Earthbound, I think, and it's like, how to identify a fake SNES game? Are you remembering this, either of you? Um, yeah, she, and that video, did- like, I don't know where you would get that information without just like tons of experience looking at games. So that stuff is probably a useful. Well, like, and, but she is and, like, uh, she's like an owner of a store, like dealing, like she has her own perspective. I, I'm talking more about like specifically the hidden gem videos and their top 10 video. Like these are just the kind of, they need to make content. Those specific people need to make content. Are they going to make like a random, like good video or like a deep dive? Of course they are. There's going to be some that are good with everything. You need to parse out the good from the bad. Uh, I just think there's more bad because the, the waves that they cause in the market because they need to create content because they need to keep the channel going. You know, it's a, it's a self fulfilling prophecy. It, uh, as Stefan said, it's a snake eating its own tail. Like they will create content, will create, which will create market, you know, impacts because they need to create content. So they like, it'll just go in the cycle, but yep. not all of their videos are going to be that. like also top 10 videos and things like that. And hidden gem videos are easy. You know, so if they got to put out a video every three days, you know, once a week, they might do one good video, but then you got, you got your content fillers that you got to get out there because you got to fight the algorithm. And, you know, part of that's on YouTube, part of that's on the content creators. Like, why do you think like, uh, like the completely unnecessary podcast, like it's a whole podcast, but then they put out, they chop it up into like 30 YouTube videos. Like, I don't blame them for that. That's what the algorithm needs. Yeah. They're Cause just, it works people, right. Yeah. That's yeah, the, the people are, tr- look, they, I don't hold any of them like I'm not mad at them personally. Like, this people are gonna do what they're gotta do to try and make money, right? Uh, especially if this is their main gig. That's just 
you know, how the system works right now. It's not a great system and it creates a bad process and creates bad information. I don't like that. And it creates, you know, bad, bad points in the market. I don't like any of that. And, you know, some people dip into that and they, they seem to, to enjoy it a lot and revel in that and the like pseudo fame that comes with it. And that is a big turnoff to me, but you know, whatever. Moving on. We don't need to keep talking about that. Shout out to uh, the Completely Unnecessary Podcast on YouTube, another YouTube channel that uh, does occasionally have some video game collecting topics, although it's not really an information thing. It's more of a react to the news type of thing, and uh, a lot of people don't like them. But they shit on the Intellivision Amico, which I think is a hilarious console, so... Yeah, can't we all rally Uh, around that? (laughs) We can... To bring it back together, guys, let's all just get together and (laughs) on the Intellivision Amico. (laughs) And if you thought of the Intellivision Amico in the past two months before we just mentioned it, you're probably lying. I saw... I saw a thread, I don't even remember what it was, but it was like talking about like, oh, which of the which of the consoles in the current console war are you gonna pick up? And the poll was between <laughs> the PS5, the new Xbox, and the Amico. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> The Amico, everyone, is a toy. It is not. No, 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 don't a don't start there, Stefan. You have to say the Amico is, and then explain what it is, because half our audience probably doesn't know what the Intellivision Amico is. Oh my god! I know. I, we don't know. All right, I, I'm just gonna bring up one more channel. Retro Revisited puts out this thing called the Retro News Roundup. It sounds super generic. But it's well produced. It's a three minute show every month that just explains all the new homebrew that came out, all the new retro hardware that came out, all like the HD re-releases of old games. So if you just want to try to keep on top of like real like game news about vintage games without all the bullshit that comes with trying to follow pop street uh, pop culture news sites, then follow him. Next thing. I'm going to quickly bring up Atari Age, which I think is the biggest vintage games forum that's still on the Internet. And I know that a lot of people in our circle would be like, there's no way they were bigger than a, than Nintendo Age. They were always way bigger than Nintendo Age. And everyone there seems like they're in their 50s or older and still views the game collecting world from the lens of the mid 2000s. And I I love it. I just oh, love it. it so. Is, like, they're all old and salty. It's just so, so weird. I'm not I'm not on Atari Age. Uh, I do go there for information from both the forum uh, and the the database. But like I I'm positive that things like a lot of games and game selling for tens of thousands of dollars regularly now, like those people would be so curmudgeon and grumpy about that and talk about how this isn't like the olden times. Uh, Atari Age is a wonderful place if you uh, if you're old of heart like me. Yeah, Atari Age definitely wants you off its lawn. That's like their <laughs> slogan. And uh, you prob- damn kids. Probably the best uh, sort of Nintendo age style databases um, for Atari games. They have like the rarity. They've got, I'd say they have a good amount of variants listed because Atari has seemingly infinite variants, but they'll have all the picture and uh, text label releases with uh, rarity information on all that. Hey, Tyler. Just be- just because we've brought it up a couple times and by name and then are not listing it as a resource, I think it's fair to explain quickly as to why we uh, aren't listing Nintendo Age as a resource. Okay, if you were uh, if you haven't followed the news of Nintendo Age because you think they're just a bunch of weird elitists and there's just a few hundred guys in a forum, who cares? 
completely fair. <laughs> well, age- well, not only that was just just that there may be people coming here who like legitimately want to know about tools that they don't know about, and it. it I just think it's it's. it's it's a it's a leap to assume that everyone who listens to this podcast would also be intimately familiar with that website. Okay, so Nintendo Age from uh, 2007 up until last year, I guess, would be the primary place that like the hardcore Nintendo people would collect the kind of people that apparently everyone else on the internet thought were so elitist, did not want to deal with them at all. And people would, at least in the beginning, there's a lot of early threads where people would just gather a bunch of information, gather a bunch of pictures, and they built this amazing database full of, I would say, all the Nintendo games up to maybe N64 or GameCube is where, like, the modern stuff they got a little sketchy on. But it was the best place to look at NES variants, SNES variants, N64 uh, things, things like that, filtered down by different regions, filtered down by minor and major variants, and all of that is gone. There are backups of the forum and backups of the database, but since the database is no longer searchable, it is so much less useful because the actual search functionality of the database is what made it so powerful. And um, so rest in peace, Nintendo Age. There isn't really a good replacement for it yet. The community moved over to Video Game Sage, but that's just the community. Very helpful game collecting community if you're into game collecting, just no game database to go along with it. And I will also say that a lot of sort of SNES, Game Boy, NES lists that you see floating around on the internet were built from the Nintendo Age database. So if you see a list of 91 unlicensed NES games, you know, that might be from like the Etler list or something. But that that is how many uh, unlicensed NES games would show up if you searched for unlicensed US releases on uh, Nintendo Age. And you'll see these idiosyncrasies pop up. So... Impossible Mission 2 is listed twice because there's a publisher variant, but the Nintendo Age database would list it twice. So in everyone's list of unlicensed NES games, you'll see Impossible Mission listed twice in both the variants. And then you go over to the Game Boy side, and there's just like all these like random publisher variants that are put into the main set list that build you up to 505 Game Boy games. But there's not 505 different Game Boy games. It's... Nintendo Age had a huge impact on video game lists i will say and unfortunately it is gone thanks go collect the only reason i asked you to do that is because it was your fair criticism uh a couple podcasts ago that we do have a tendency to mention things and then not explain them so yeah we did go. i have a question why didn't you list go collect as a resource <laughs> there's no there's no resource for go <sighs> i'm just so, kidding i know I know, I know I know you're Garden. kidding i'm trying to make it in a not jokey way uh, go collect. If you go to NintendoAge.com, there is technically a backup of the Nintendo Age forum, but their search like doesn't work. If you search for Castlevania variant, it will show you every post ever that has the word variant in it, regardless of whether Castlevania is in the same post or even nearby. So, like, can you can you bully in that down like with with like brackets or pluses? Like, how you could you probably put uh quotes around it and then it will only show if like someone specifically says the words castlevania variant it's a very very bad search like to the point where i would say it's useless okay because i what i would always do is i would go to google or i'd really go to the nintendo age search and i had all these threads in my mind that i knew i could type in a certain keyword and bring up the thread and i haven't been able to bring up any of those in the go collect search and i would reference these threads all the time so it's a bummer there, there is a nut. There is other backups, like on archive.org of the Nintendo Age forum. Another kind of maybe this is a misconception because I've seen people talk about this. Nintendo Age 
was not exciting in the way like Racket Boy. There weren't very good guides. There was no digestible information on Nintendo Age. The great part that people remember on Nintendo Age would be there would be a, f- a forum post on like something really specific. And then people would someone would post like the exact answer that they're looking for. There would be, you know, a, a list of box contents for Super Mario Brothers three or something for three different variants of the game. No, you just had the most knowledgeable people coming in and giving the answer and then like also debating the nuance of the answer. You yeah. know, like that's what made it great because all the people in there were so hardcore. They were debating like down to the nth degree on all the bullshit stuff. And, you know, you just couldn't help but get great information out of it. Yeah. So there's there's no like guides or anything that's really there to save from Nintendo. It was just kind of the the community built information slowly over time as a whole. Yeah, there was a few zines and stuff where they tried it, but it was not was never great. Uh, didn't come out regularly enough for it to be a thing. There are, yeah, there's 50 zines. I bet there's good information in them. They, they were like articles on collecting topics. They're all on archive.org. If you look for Nintendo Age, you can download them all. Like Bronte wrote articles in those and stuff. Yeah, look, they're, look, a lot, again, a lot of the best collectors, uh, by best, we'll say most knowledgeable, wrote a lot of stuff in those. So they are worth perusing. So, I mean, I, I read them when they came out each time. That's how I learned some stuff, especially back in uh, my earlier collecting days. I have a couple of websites I want to just bring up real quick. We don't need to go too much into them as we are. As always, going so very long because that's <laughs> we're a long podcast. I just, we can't fight it. So Sega 16, um, now that Sega age is dead, uh, there's Sega 16, which was one of the original websites. You can go there. It's a forum. It's a website and a forum. Forum is still active. You got people who are, it's like a, less collector based than Sega age was when it was an active thing, but it did have, uh, it does have collectors in there, but a lot of these guys are gamers as well. Not that that's a bad thing or anything. Uh, but people there know their Sega stuff, especially when it comes to Genesis. Uh, the other site that's kind of like a parallel site to that was Sega eight bit. Um, and that's not like, if you type in Sega eight bit, you'll get to the website and there's all, they also have a forum and it, this is SMS stuff. And if you know anything about the U.S. library, it, it's a garbage library. It's like 114 to 117 games, depending what you're counting. And that it's just very small compared to the world library. There's a lot of good people you can follow on Instagram to find out about this, which we'll get into later. But uh, this is these forums and these websites will will show you a lot about some Sega stuff that you may not have seen. The way that's, it's not as impressive as the way Satacore is, but these are, if you, if you want to find the people who are into this stuff, it's a good resource. So just know that those exist. Uh, so I'm, I'm into those websites. I have a different preference. Uh, Sega Retro. I, oh man. Oh yeah. Sure Sega Retro also. Good. Yeah. Sega Retro. Retro.org. Yep. Um, also a good SMS site. It's a good everything Sega site. Actually, I'm shocked there isn't an equivalent for Nintendo games. So Sega Retro, they basically have an article on every single Sega game. It's like Nintendo Age only maybe better and it has the release information and it has variant information, which a lot of these sites that just kind of like list all the games like Wikipedia or something doesn't have variant uh, information. I have like pictures of not only all the variants, but all the different regional releases, cartridges, manuals. Um, what I've been doing is um, 
I'm putting information into my personal new database right now, and I'm I've been going through every single article for every single Sega game on Sega Retro and just dumping info out of it into my personal database. It's wonderful. Yep. Yeah, it's an excellent site. I forgot about that. Why is there no Nintendo Retro? It's it's crazy. It's like Nintendo Age had fulfilled this segment of the market for so well for over a decade, and now that it's gone, there's a vacuum. But all of these kind of old database websites, they really haven't been updated continually. Like It was a lot more popular to update these, I'm going to say, 10 years ago. Like Even Nintendo yeah. Age has not been super updated in the nope. past few years. And now there's no one filling this void. It sucks. Yep. It, it, well, there's, we're definitely in an information vacuum, right? Everyone thinks that YouTube is the truth. Um, and that's where all the answers are. And YouTube is not actually super great for uh, deep learning. It's only good for surface level learning and it presents a lot of mistakes and there's no way to fact check and it's not easily accessible. Uh, if you can't just watch a video, like you can't parse through all the information. It, uh, we're, we're in a weird, we're in a weird spot. Yeah. And there's only so much you can learn in a YouTube video. Even if YouTube was perfect, like I'm on, I'm on the AeroBiz uh, article on SegaRetro.com and they have like the MD5 sum of the ROM from each of the releases of the game. It's, uh, well, and it's also a thing of passion too, right? So a lot of people are passionate about collecting games, but they aren't passionate about the system itself anymore, right? There's less less people who are specialists. A lot of the collecting is like the investor or I just want the rare stuff. And there's not people who are like super dedicated to the 10 and $5 games. And because games have gotten so universally more, like the price has risen so much, it's hard to go like lump sum bulk up on, on a bunch of games. Like I was trying to tell someone about the difference uh, on why a CDX is, is trash and an XI is good. And you know, I was like digging was through my old, me? um, no, it, you were in the same post. Uh, we were talking about it on Facebook. Um, and I, but I was giving him some examples on why the XI is the superior, uh, you know, he was going to get rid of it because he, he, thinks the XI is ugly. And whether you think it's ugly or not, that, that's a fair criticism, but that's about it because it's just the best thing to play if you need Genesis or Sega CD that is just like a base console without any of the modding, without any of the you know frame meisters, without any of the extra stuff. If you're just talking base system, especially US, that's the best thing to go get. Um, but I was trying to explain, I was like, oh, wait, I wanted to double check some information and I was just reading an old Digit Press article, and there was like people were like, oh yeah, why about like five of these? And I've been looking at them because they were like thirty dollars each. You can't do that anymore. There's no way to to do these. You have to be more conscious with the spend of money now, as the as the bottom has risen so high. So you you just yeah. get these people who are more. They aren't like these specialists about systems now. And it and we even tell people like. Don't be a garbage man and go get everything. You know, buy the best stuff. Don't worry about all this other shit, except that's bad for the flow of information and, and like the deep, the deep levels of information. If someone really wants to know the nitty gritties on, on Uniracer, how are we going to get there if a bunch of people don't own it and can show it? Yeah. And you know what? Is part of it that Sega people are weird, Johnny? Yes. Because uh, I've uh, noticed well, this they're on more Instagram dedicated. as well. Like there are a bunch of accounts I follow and it's like, oh my, these people only collect Sega or it's like they'll only collect master system or only collect Genesis. It's like, how can you dedicate just yourself to that one thing? They're just, that is their thing. They are it's super focused, you know, and I get like that when I'm collecting a system, 
And it's awesome because you're just like that. You're just living and breathing that that's how you become an expert. And right now everyone wants to buy everything. Um, and if you're like that, you're just never going to know, you know, that there's going to just be a void there. You're just going to know all the top stuff and not know anything about the middle or the bottom, which is the world we're starting to live in right now. And which is why some game that can sit in the middle that we all know, like that the knowledgeable people all know is the middle. And then somebody pulls out and is like, what about this rare thing that you never see? And then people go crazy because they're like, I've never seen this. And really, there's an ooze variant. Guys, yeah. we got to get the ooze clamshell variant. Yeah. Do it quick. What Wait, else? Is there a news variant? I don't think there's a news variant. <laughs> Stop freaking me out. Check on SegaRetro.com. <laughs> All right. So. What else do we need to cover here, guys? We have. Did we get through everything? Did we get? Uh, we didn't Digipress, go through Digipress. <laughs> Digipress is a fantastic old forum. No one's there anymore. I, I honestly, I don't use Digipress that much anymore. What I used no. to do is, um, again, we've mentioned this on the show. Digipress has a database where, at one point, maybe they still update it. They were trying to uh, catalog and give a rarity value and even a value monetarily to every video game. So what you can do is you can pick a weird console like the 3do and they'll give you like a rarity for every 3do game because there's probably not some easy to digest list out there of rare 3d of like rarity values assigned to 3do games uh so what i would do all the time is i would take my digipress list of rarities and then take like a price charting list of prices and i would try to find the places that don't quite match like oh this is an r6 but it's only seven dollars i should probably buy that right away uh, and so that's still that like that rarity info is probably 15 years old at this point, but it still might be useful. Yeah, that's you know, I did the exact same thing. I, I looked for those like this is rare, but not expensive. So let's buy all these now before I get screwed. Yep. And then you ended up buying everything. Yep. And then I was just like, well, just keep going, I guess. Like a dummy. And now I got a house full of games. I don't know what to do with. <laughs> Uh, another one, uh, Moby Games. Again, we bring it up on the show. Moby Games has... The, you guys always bring up the credits. Moby Games is excellent for release information. So another resource, Wikipedia, garbage for release information. Do not believe any release date you read on Wikipedia. A lot of these older games, it is not known exactly. You can't pinpoint to the day what day a lot of these old games released in. Because there wasn't one day that it was simultaneously launched on. Um, yeah, it's not like today. So Moby Games, they will... They will say like either it'll say like 1995 or it'll say like June 1995 or it will give you a date if it's known. Uh, but the most useful thing I find this for is uh, finding the first release of something. So if you're looking up Rayman, all the versions of Rayman would be under the same article. And then you go to the releases section and you can see like, oh, the Jaguar one is the one that came out first. And this is incredibly useful for PC collecting, at least if you care about which version was the first of the game, because... Most PC games came out on like a dozen different platforms. It's really nice to know. Oh, in 1979, the Apple II version of that was the first version. Okay. Um, Stefan, do you have any other resources you want to talk through? Uh, not before I get into just, I know, I think we were talking or thinking about like listing some specific folks to follow on social. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to get to that. Um, you want to just talk about the, the two pricing websites real quick? Just those are easy ones just to talk through why they're a useful tool. Uh, sure, because they tell you what the prices are. No, um, Game Value Now and Price Charting are the two primary um, uh, game aggregate sites. So b basically what they're doing is, uh, actually I think, doesn't um, Price Charting aggregates more than eBay, right? 
They have some manually entered stuff. Like I think he's taking, I don't know if he's getting it manually or what, but uh, he's has like a heritage auction prices on there sometimes. That's interesting. And game value now has got a new formula too. Cause now there, there's like the new go collect version of it. Right. That- yeah. So that's, that's one thing to know is that, so um, game value now um, was recently purchased by go collect the same people who uh, purchased Nintendo age. So take that as, as you may. I know originally we were really excited cause they were getting like an actual like development staff, but then, uh, development's been pretty slow, although now they do have um, graded WADA prices on there, too. Cool. Um, yeah. I couldn't just go to Heritage and look at the completed listings of every game ever that's been sold on Heritage. Which is where they're pulling those numbers from, I'm sure. Yeah. But now you can go to one website and look at like the aggregated. Like, it's a more useful place where you can see an aggregate of, of the price range of the game from loose to graded. Right. In in recent times, and this is this is my personal opinion, so you guys can weigh in on this. I have mostly found it more useful recently to to get like current pricing data to just do the good old uh, looking at eBay sold prices, only because yeah, see, I feel I like I see. I feel like the the people that I'm buying from are also doing that <laughs> so so uh it just it, the the price it gives me i think it gives me a better idea as to what the prices are that they're going to be asking me for because that's what they're doing um but but uh johnny has a dissenting opinion i do uh because ebay is garbage right now their prices the way they obscure data uh, you know the fact that they have targeted marketing for sales that give people, you know, sometimes five or eight percent eBay bucks back or an immediate eight percent off eBay bucks, all of that stuff we've talked about multiple times on the show. And that also affects things like price charting and game value now is prices. I, I feel like all the prices are really weird and a little bit subjective and also skews to the median price not to the extreme nice and not to the extreme bottom and doesn't include things like shipping all the time you know there there are problems with all of them so it is good to know what those problems are it's good to know that people use these to establish their price and then it's also good to know why some of those prices may be off or on just you know i mean we need to know prices you got to go somewhere just because it's not um the best tool like, don't let great be the enemy of good. Okay, right. it's still good. So you should still use and, and know what they are. But just know that there are inherent problems in there. So you get some people who are just like, I'm not using any of that. Because, oh, that's bad. And I got my own ideas what price is going to be like. You're just like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's all Get out of here. Yeah. As, as long as, Johnny, as long as there is no marker for condition, which there's no way to like, for them to pull that information out and parse it from yeah. an eBay listing, those aggregate prices are pretty sketchy to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, additionally, with aggregate, do. and again, it's because it's an aggregate, right? And it's being being done by a robot. Um, that um, anything like when you start getting into like pricing variants or pricing, um, you know, games that aren't complete or that are, are super complete, like above and beyond CIB, like those little like niche 
issues in your search um, are not going to be particularly well reflected in aggregate prices. So like if you like go into any of these, it's, it's a good idea to look at not just the aggregate number, but like the actual listings of a game that had that it is aggregating into its into its uh, summary, because like you might look at a game and be like, oh, well, this is like the wrong ver- you know there's like 12 listings that are that are factored into this that are not the version that i am looking for so um so that's something that you need to consider that because it's not being done by a human being there's going to be a, a big margin for error when you talk about uh especially when you're talking about variants right which is why when someone prices their stuff crazy on a place like facebook and you go well why is it priced like that i just looked at price charting and it doesn't say anything like that. And you can be like, well, all those prices, this one has a rare poster or, or trading card or like a little toy or something. And those versions don't account for that. And that's why this one's so high. That's why conversations are important and you can learn and don't be so thin skinned and weak that you can't accept anyone putting a question about your price. Um, anyways, back now I'm back on that. Uh, you're right though. There, there are caveats you need to know when going on. And this kind of, I want to come back to the water graded stuff. Not that I think that it's going to be great, but when you see that, what the difference between a 9.8 sells for, and then like a seven sells for, and you start to see that scale, I, it's going to teach people more about the disparity of condition and why and how much value condition adds one way or the the other. So I'm excited that people will learn about that and also terrified how they're going to misapply it. Well, the problem is with the grading stuff, like most video games are still worth less than MSRP. And yeah, to grade sure. a WADA complete game, it's like $55 plus shipping. And people seem to factor that in when they buy these graded complete games, which are not worth 10 times what a complete box game is worth. So all that data is really weird to me. Like in like cards or something or comics where it's like, 10 20 bucks to grade something it's not as big a difference but grading a video game is so expensive compared to the price of an object that all of these this is the price of this condition kind of thing it's all going to be very sketchy also since wada came into the market the market has been in absolute chaos across the board both in the high-end space because of them and then coronavirus now like nothing makes any sense right now so seeing the charts change over time since then is going to be so weird yeah, the market really needs to stabilize before any of these price scraps with historical data will be that useful. Everything, everything right now, like we're just in a period of flux because of multiple reasons, right? So, but people are going to go for prices. I recommend like at least using eBay and one of the other ones and kind of figuring out where the middle actually is and like what your thing is. Like if you're looking to make offers or to sell things, how to get it right. But we we need like a year of uh not total chaos month to month for the market to to like start to look like it it is but also all this grading stuff it's all very new right this is the part of the growing pains of birth uh of this of this new like collecting landscape so we're gonna it's gonna take time for things to shake out and things to normalize so like if you're an investor it's just a weird space to be in right now a lot of things could be you know could go up a lot of things could tank I don't know exactly how it'll all shake out just because, you know, there it's too much uncertainty right now. I mean, every market goes through that in beginning times. So we're just kind of watching that play out. 
And if you guys want to blow your minds, go search for like, not even a specific one, just go search for like a sports card price charting website. And you'll be like, why can't my hobby be like this? This is so amazing. I could filter all these things. It shows me all these graphs because sports cards has like millionaire people behind it. It, Like you could pay for different sports card tracking services. Uh, I feel like old man Tyler, it just gets on the collector's quest podcast to talk up other hobbies and video game collecting (laughs) is a garbage hobby. (laughs) Well, video game collecting is new, right? It's new. This is like, People didn't start taking it super seriously until like the last eight years. That's, you know, that's not a very long time frame. That's true. So, I, you know, I, everyone, you know, everyone on uh, social media is basically an embryo. So they're like, this is crazy. Things are so dramatic. And you're just like, well, there really hasn't been enough time. Um, you know, just everyone settle down. Like things take time. Let's let's talk again in ten years. But you know the the need for immediacy and uh, th- for things to mu- move quickly and low attention spans. The, that's the world we are in now. Move, move, move. Go, go, go. Stimulation, stimulation. That you know, <laughs> sitting down and being patient and watching how a curve is generated isn't the most exciting thing. And uh, you know, people ain't got time for that. All right. We'll see where we are in 10 years. All right. Do we have any other thing? I guess we we talked a little bit about eBay, too, and all the caveats there. That's a super important resource. I just wanted to bring up eBay because it is the best source for uh, box content information besides YouTube unboxing videos. Um, Yep. And uh, variant tracking, especially for modern stuff, there's no list of PS2 variants. There's no list of Xbox variants, except for my personal list, which I have on videogamesage.com, which is pretty okay. But if you're like going into research on that, I just say go through every eBay listing, go through completed listings for all the games, and you will find 100 variants that no one has ever discussed ever in the history of humanity. Uh, eBay is the biggest knowledge source for games, I think, because there is no Johnny Iucci catalog. So, so it's worth bringing the, up. I, the thing you said there that I, I like besides you saying, talking about my, me like I'm going to make a super catalog one day is the unboxing thing. Because I used to fight people about this. People are like, who cares? Unboxing videos are so boring. I hate when people make them. I am always happy when there's an unboxing video because future me knows that in 10 years, even though I don't care about this thing right now, that I'm going to want that video yeah. to double check. And the more of the, like, and as you, as we found out with like classic games and there's multiple factories and there can be variations between factories and releases and prints and stuff, there's variations. I want multiple videos. I want to be able to see what happened. And we now live in an age where we can document that with video. And I think that's great. A lot of people hate unboxing videos. And again, I, it's like shitty, easy content and I get why people do it and they're not doing it because they're preservationists, but it doesn't mean that we don't get to leverage what they did for content later. So just like, keep that in mind. Um, I would, I would caution about, about eBay. I do agree that it's a, it's an incredible visual reference, but at the same time there are, it's like completely uh, inundated with people claiming things like, "Oh, this this is a complete copy of this game," when it is not. Oh um, yeah. So, but so I, mean, like, I, I go look at Toe Jam and Earl. Like when I got that Toe Jam and Earl poster, if I see six copies of Toe Jam and Earl have that poster, it's like, all right, I got the right. Sure. Poster. That's. I just wanted to point out that like you still have to do your own work there. Oh yeah. Right? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. But the the beauty of it is that there are like seven or eight examples or something or more that you can see and look at versus you know I agree one. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I just, I just, you know, because, um, yeah, because of the way that listings, you know, if if people want to put popular search terms in the listings for their for their item, so oftentimes like they'll sneak in a way to say the word complete um, when it's not right. They'll they'll say not complete on purpose, or it's saying not it's it's claim it's not something on purpose just so that it will aggregate their listing into your search. See, um, read so, description. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> CIB. CIB read description and it's hard only. CIB yeah. missing manual. Yeah. Repro box. Um, yeah. yeah. So just be very, very careful about that. Uh, you know, and like I said, it's just, it's just a caution to, you know, the images are great, but you still have to like do your own work as far as validating claims. All right. That's all I yep. got. Agree. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to, man, we're so long. Um, yeah. Let's get to Instagram because also a nice visual resource. Uh, when I was hunting for stuff, I wish I, I had this. Oh my God. We didn't even talk about Instagram. No, nope. we're here. <laughs> or Twitter. Yeah. Or like, well, I don't think Twitter of as much as a resource. I think Twitter is, is a garbage place for garbage people. <laughs> wow. It's, it's, it's Twitter's the N64 of social media. Um, yeah, it is. It is so terrible. Instagram forces <laughs> you to post a picture and that fact makes the game collecting side of Instagram amazing. Yep. The only thing, the only thing that frustrates me about Instagram, since we're talking about it now, is that um, enough people don't it, love you there, and they don't it, like love your Nintendo Power stuff. So you like Twitter. no, it's 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 reliance on hashtags um, that bothers me. Like oh. it, it it really drives hashtags as the the primary way to search for something. So if you don't use hashtags, and a lot of that a lot of that is problematic for people who do do cross content from Twitter because Twitter is not reliant on hashtags. It will find your anyway so um so people who like cross post from twitter to instagram um oftentimes don't see like it's much more difficult to find those posts on instagram because of the lack of hashtags look uh instagram has a ton of problems and we can talk about that uh and, and let, let's do it let's talk about some of the problems with instagram uh you said hashtag, one. you said hashtag reliant i'm fine with hashtag reliance what i'm problem with is that searches have no no ability to search multiple hashtags at the same time. I want to see a post that contains these two hashtags and hashtag spamming and no way to report incorrect hashtagging. It's like, yep. because they, they're not, we're using it for information. It's not a perfect source. It's just a good visual place where you can go see a fucking picture of a thing, which you need to do sometimes, especially if you're trying to find out if something exists, uh, you know, and, and you want to see variants of it. So it's very good for that. But you have to like wade through a bunch of crap. Like, if you want to look for Super Mario Brothers, good luck. Did you just put yeah. in that hashtag? Have a nice time. Uh, you weren't gonna find it. Obscure stuff. You're you're probably gonna find. I love when I'm typing in a hashtag for some dumb game I I'm taking a picture of, and it's like uh, it says like the number of people who've posted. It's like three. I'm like, okay, cool. So if anyone searches this hashtag, at least they'll see yeah. the thing I want them to see. Yeah, smaller hashtags are more useful, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I agree with it, all your, your searching thing. I, I don't really try to data mine into Instagram. The important thing to do is follow the right people, follow the right hashtags. And then yes. if something interesting pops up, save that image to your computer and then. Well, you keep can a archive it too. You can, there's a save function on there. You're like, you I just don't click trust the rib. You click the save. ribbon and it goes, no, okay, well, <laughs> Tyler's a crazy old man and is still on like BBS forums and, you know, <laughs> use nets. 
Uh, I'm buying Atari know. games. I got the email set up. I'm going to send it in a few minutes. <laughs> Don't worry about me. I'll be over here on my Usenet. Send them an email. Cool, Tyler. Cool. Um, anyways, uh, speaking of some of the right people, you can actually follow hashtags if you want, but uh, people are more important. And some people, as we said, are like super specific, and some people are all over the place, but there are some good resources. And we have a few people that we'll call out. We don't have like one for every system. Um, but if we have someone specifically, or if we, or if you are one and we miss you, let us know and we'll call you out on the next episode and say, these are the people and, and please follow them. Don't necessarily inundate them with a hundred messages. They aren't asking us to put yeah. them out there like this. And, but and we didn't, sh- we didn't ask them either. Yeah. So. <laughs> but it, it, it is, again, it is a public place where these people are asking for followers. So feel free to go out and follow them. But you know, don't get all all offended if they don't want to talk to you in private messages. That's just not how this works. So um, let's let's go ahead. So Tyler, you want to pick a system and, and tell them someone they should be following? Oh, my God. That's how we're going to do it. Yeah. Like, so like, I don't know a single person who posts Atari games on Instagram. So if we were starting from the vintage game, like VG Collectaholic and Milwaukee Game Collector, is that even... His exact Milwaukee name? Retro Gaming. R- Milwaukee, Milwaukee Retro, retro gamer. gamer. I'm so sorry. I think he listens to the podcast. Oh, my God. He does. VG Milwaukee Retro Gamer. Yeah, VG Collectaholic is the only one. When you said Atari, he's like the only one that I can think of that that posts Atari regularly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, well, I, I don't think that saying... I mean, we'll, we'll go through some of, the, some of our favorite people who we always, always name drop on the show. Um, I just want to say that one of the better things to do would be find a a good game collecting hashtag and then just go through it and find all the posts you like like oh this guy just posts ps1 long box stuff and i'm way into that i'm gonna follow him and then like find more accounts like that and then instagram will start recommending you they'll be like oh three people you follow follow this person and then it'll be like oh yeah. six people you follow follow this person and then just follow all of those and you'll get sucked into the bubble that you're trying to get sucked into correct um, that, that is a good way to do it and so instead of using Atari as an example, I'll use the, the high-end investor game market as an example. Go follow uh, Wada, the Wada Games uh, Instagram account or go follow like Wafflefoot and just click their follower list. Look at who's following them and just follow all of them and you will immediately get sucked into that bubble. Yeah, Wafflefoot is just a great person to follow anyways because he's got a ton of information. It's cool stuff. He does. He's also incredibly handsome. I mean, let's just... Whoa. No, nobody? I mean, right. no, it's just you. Hey, <laughs> Josh. as handsome not, as you. Josh, it's not that I think you're ugly or anything. I just, I don't care how you look. Uh, if that, sorry that it doesn't matter to me. I like your content uh, more than your face. Josh, I don't Stephen see is the other way. I only see games. I, I love, I'm not uh, a person. What I love about Josh is that like, he'll, he'll see me say something scathing to someone and then he'll just, I'll just get a random text. Just, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, another person to follow kind of in that world is like SN, uh, SNK2D Forever. Uh, we've talked about him before, but he shows some amazing stuff. A lot of great Nintendo stuff, a lot of like weird accessories he showed off. So if you're like an accessory person, he's just going to always post a bunch of cool stuff anyway. So just go follow him. Um, he's also probably uh, the nicest guy on the internet. Just putting that out there. Uh, also super like, we and a listener Wada. yeah, you can't say Wada without just talking about, uh, you know, super Nest man, Dennis cons, uh, you know, you should, 
like he's been posting recently, which he hasn't done in a while. He had been kind of on a, a blackout because he's been so busy. But he's like walking through. If you need to know about displays, like forget the water stuff. If you want to know about displays and stuff, he is a great guy to follow for that. Also, our very own Stefan is a good person to talk to if you need to know about displays. Ooh. But like signage and all that other like weird ancillary stuff. Not to mention that Dennis just knows a ton about Nintendo and Game Boy. You know, it's just all this other periphery stuff and artwork and uh, and then, you know, K-Thrower 2 just on on all the variants for NES. If I was going to fo- be following people or trying to talk to people. Just to be clear, that's K-Thrower 82 because you're uh, yes. glossing through the actual name they have to type Sorry. into their phone. <laughs> well, if you start to type K-Thrower, I'm sure it'll come up. Yeah. Uh, so. so like some of these people, SNK2D forever hasn't posted in six weeks. K-Thrower hasn't posted since early, or April. Uh, a lot of, there's been a lot of people, like if you've noticed some people uh, during the Corona thing yeah, have slowed down, myself included, just because uh, overwhelmed by social media right now and just everything that's going on, like all the channels are a little bit toxic or it's like stuff is leaching into them. And you're just like, I don't need to be doing this right now. I can just be home and present here and, and not doing that stuff. So that's part of it. Um, let's see, who el- who else should we be talking about? Uh Super Nintendo. I, I mean, I guess you could talk to me for Super Nintendo sure. stuff. I know a little bit about it. Um, if you actually dig, I, no, he clears out his his account, right? Super Nintendo. Like he's he's Super Nintendo is great for Xbox, and we can talk about that in a minute. But but like he used to be a really good page well, for Super his Nintendo. Na- yeah, I mean, his name is Super Nintendo. Correct, <laughs> right? So, but but I'm pretty sure he Xbox purges Darkroom. all that stuff, right? He archives it because he's a dummy. Uh, for imports, like Red stuff. the Game Shark. Yes, all, all things imports. <laughs> Red the Game Shark. Uh, Turbo Graphics sixteen. There's a, a few good people. Um, you can follow Hyrule Vice and um, what what is his name? What's, uh, what's Samurai Ghost? Samurai yeah, yeah, yeah. Ghost is also a good one. He posts a lot of like high end, beautiful Turbo stuff. He's got a he's got a wonderful Turbo collection. Uh, Syphic also. Uh, I was going to say, he, Samurai Ghost also runs the high-end game room on yeah. this book. Yep. Um, well, he's got a bunch of beautiful stuff. Like he, yeah. he, He's not going to overwhelm you with how much stuff. He's got a lot, but it's not like 10,000 games, but it's all like beautiful. He um, low-key pisses me off with his Neo Geo finds, and he's just like totally like whatever about it. Like He's like, oh yeah, I just picked up these gems the other day, and it's like like $40,000 worth of Neo Geo MBS. I mean, he, he's Neo Geo a game store, though. That's his job, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, so he, he's he going out that. there and digging it up, right? Part of these people, it is mining them gems, but it, it's it doesn't mean he doesn't know things. He knows a oh. ton about yeah. so so like we're just talking about people who know stuff and are going to show you interesting things. That's one. Um, like I said, Hyrule Vice and then Syphic, uh, you know, who's been on the Turbo train for forever, and you know, mm-hmm. it's his favorite system so like talk to him about that if, if you want someone who's who's not like a super high-end douchey guy but just is like down to earth and we'll, we'll talk about uh like turbo he'll he'll uh he'll talk to you he'll let you know what's up so what else we got i want to talk about some of these sega guys do sega, it. Yeah, sega collect so, <laughs> sega so what collect, you can do with yeah. sega again just go to like uh like a sega Segagram hashtag and you will immediately get sucked into them. What's the uh, gamer Tuku? Is that his name? He just all he posts all day. He'll post like five different variants of a Sega Genesis game. It'll be like this is the Aussie Soft. This is the New Zealand. 
Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Gamer Tuku is great. Um, who else? I'm just going to open my own little. That's what I'm doing too. I'm following. just. I'm looking at like. I'm looking at uh, people's stories. Like who's who's like actively posting in stories right now. Yeah, Sega Retro Revile. Uh, revival revile sega retro revival is also a good person to post but sega collect is like the main guy i follow um for all the weird sega variants like you just like i didn't know there was five versions of alex kid and you just so many different regions and stuff uh, especially all the it's all sms stuff but yeah just and they're all amazing is it just that uh, is it just that nintendo wasn't big in europe and australia is that why the information is so good on sega because I'm just noticing that all the the big Sega guys that I follow on Instagram, they're all based in Europe and Australia or New Zealand. Um, so that must be why the collecting information is so good. Because all of the, like all the big guys, they're all none of them are like, here's my copy of NBA Jam. They're like, here's every copy of NBA Jam that was released across the entire region and Europe. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe I I don't know the answer to that, but there definitely seems to be some regionality to it, right? Okay, who else we got? Um, uh, can we um, just from just because he makes the prettiest pictures? Can we uh, shout out um, Super Super Sparkster? Sparkster? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, uh, also right. he does some. He's doing some like technical stuff. He's been, uh, you know modding game boys and stuff recently so yeah stuff like that you know Brandon, he's, he's also a technician he's a technician uh a beautiful photography but the man's a technician right so he yeah. like he gets in there and like you'll see his setups are beautiful like when he does stuff he's into uh, uh pvms and stuff too he's just a, yep. a good person to be following in general Brandon is definitely a like a pixel chaser like I am. So like if you want to know a lot or at least see some beautiful pictures of some fatty scan lines, um, then uh, then Super Sparkster is a great resource for uh, for like the high end uh, AV end of the hobby. Yeah. If also, you, you said, can we bring up Super Sparkster as if he's not one of the names we randomly drop on the show all the time? Yeah, yeah guy who does yeah. not listen or care about this podcast, but what? Well, no, because we bring him up this much. Like, he doesn't listen to the show. Well, you were talking about like by console, and I don't know that uh, there's like a specific console that I would peg him for. No, it, it doesn't need like you can just put out your good recommendations, but if they are associated with a specific console, you can say like I'll say for GBA, uh, Coffee with Mister Saturn is an excellent mm. resource. Um, Depending, like, regardless of how you feel about, uh, again, uh, the VGDB, he's a great resource on a lot of information on a lot of the consoles. So check him out. Uh, uh, the, that account doesn't post very much right now, but uh, if you can find him, you know, he knows a lot about games. Uh, one that I would uh, recommend for vintage game related clothing is uh, CB's Retro Tees, and I'll spell it out because it's ridiculous. It's C-B-S-R-E-T-R-O-T-S, CB's Retro Tees. Um, and he he collects, he's actually over in, um, uh, I think he's in Sweden, and but uh, but he collects a tremendous amount of, uh, of video game related uh, vintage clothing. So if that is your thing, I uh, I highly recommend his account. So, I got another resource uh, just because it wasn't ahead. it didn't exist when we uh, brought up uh, when we had our Xbox episode. So the pirate pimp is a guy you should follow on Instagram. Oh, He's yeah. one of the the yeah. big Xbox researchers. But if you go to the pirate pimp dot com, it is the only Xbox collecting resource. 
Um, I'm pretty sure... Well, he is the only person in the world right now with a complete Platinum Hits set because he's the only person who owns NBA Ballers Platinum Hits. Uh, and his website we, is really useful. Until we find another Platinum Hits that nobody knew about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the only one who knows. <laughs> yes, it's a mess. Um, so, shout out to that. Yeah. So, uh, Nintendo Twizzer, if you're looking at, like, Wii stuff and just general... Cr- he's also had multiple sets. He's got, like, the most popular Reddit picture of all time for video game collecting. Yeah. Uh, which is, like, the yellow wall and, like beautifully laid out uh carts uh that's him so he knows a ton and he's like an early nintendo age member but also knows a ton about the wii same with uh retro thunder also another good guy to talk to that about um so who else who else we got in here mm-hmm. besides you two gentlemen which i'm sure everyone here is talking to already um everyone. i i talked to Nox when i want to know about pal stuff uh, he doesn't J-N-O-C-S. post so much on J N O X X. He doesn't post too much because I think he sold this collection, but he still knows a ton. So he's still a resource for me. Joan bone. If you want to see like high ended, high end, rare stuff, beautiful condition games, uh, primarily NES and game boy and like primarily Nintendo stuff, not always he's just off- Nintendo stuff, but he, um, has wonderful things. Jonas is also one of the, he has a lot of cool stuff and generally he also has a price in mind. So, um, so a lot of times, uh, if he posts something really cool and you want to send him an offer, that's appropriate. Yeah. I mean, you you can hit, he does not always sell. That's not like, not everything. No, but like he, he is definitely not as like precious as you know, some of us are. So for modern stuff, I think I mentioned this last episode, um, Retro Game Trader is a guy who's like all over the Xbox 360 scene right now. There's not too many people going hard at that, so he's someone to keep a lookout. Because it's a bad idea. Well, I mean, that's it's an idea. That's what we said about PS2, and look at it now, Stefan. And, and that's not a bad what we idea. said, that's what you <laughs> Made a mistake. Nope, um, nope. Why, why don't you just want to admit that you made a mistake? Uh, I don't, no, no. No? Stephen, no. you have a 401k. I don't know how the game industry works. Look at your no. 401k, and now look at what it could have been if it was just PS2 games instead. <laughs> <laughs> now, the only thing that, like, when you talk about my decisions around the PS2 set, the only thing that I will bring up again and again is the time that I was actively interested in doing it, and Johnny Ayuchi talked me out of it. It was so one that. time, and it was a three-minute conversation. Yeah, it was could, the first time, though. It was the first time, Johnny. You could you sent me on the wrong path. If I can talk to you about something <laughs> in three minutes, you had no conviction. You had of no course balls. you can talk me out you of something You had no balls. Be brave. We talk each other in and out of things in seconds uh, often. Me? What like, did you talk me into? Like, huh? I, no, I'm just generally, like, the three of us, like, go back and forth on things all the Maybe time. Maybe you two. Yeah, I'm just kidding, <laughs> kidding. Uh, anyways, back at it. Uh, if you want to know someone who's got a good Genesis collection and knows a lot about Genesis, Jasonic the Kid is a guy who you should talk to. He knows a lot. There's not too many people who are like representing, um, you know, Genesis specifically. Mm. Guys, who else we got? Is that it? Like rare U.S. gold is uh. a high end person <laughs> that you could follow. It's rich right, Stefan? You could do part that. Of the Mario. That is that is a thing you could do. Yes. That that um, is 
people are free to do what they like and and one of those things is following <laughs> we can say whatever we want he doesn't listen to this show <laughs> uh, he might who knows um oh no he totally does Remember, he, he calls us out whenever we say something inappropriate, and then he goes, oh, I was listening to that with my grandson. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. He doesn't post anything on Instagram at all, uh, but shout out to Rich, because I know he's deep into early 8-bit stuff, which everyone should be. Oh, how about, uh, are we calling out Eric? Sure. Say something nice about Eric. Uh, if you want a, a grumpy old man who has been collecting games <laughs> and comics and hates for a Tyler. long time, if, but if is If you hate not- Tyler... What? Yeah. I said so he's been collecting games and comics for a long time, but he's not part of the comic wave of new game speculators. He hates it so much. He hates even the concept of grading games. Uh, Excite bikes, comics, and games. Because it's really difficult to find. E X C I T E B Y T E underscore comics and games. That's K A T S E L V A N I A. What? Cool. He just Castlevania used to have to spell her name on the show. That's a weird spot. Yep, uh, Casey the Game Nerd also has a lot of uh, Wii content if you need to know about Wii stuff because he, he had or has a full set. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anyone else very specifically that does like one thing that I think you should know about. Um, if you want to know about um, fake collectibles, please follow Limited Run Games. They'll sell you all of them that they can. We got anything else here? I think I'm done. Uh-huh. I know I I'm forgetting people. Hard stopped, hard stopped buying limited run games in the past few months, and it's been pretty great. It's also because they don't have anything interesting, in my opinion. But, um, man, when everything is on fire, the, the idea of buying a game from 2020 and uh, thinking that that's going to be the hard-to-get thing is not on my radar. Absolutely not. Gross. So, um, yeah, I think that's all the people I have. Um that you should follow for for stuff. Sorry, Good. people, I missed. Yeah, no, it, and remember, people. as usual, if we didn't mention your name and we talk to you regularly on Instagram, it's because we don't like you. Yep, that's so. how it works. <laughs> Johnny, we should uh, we should end the show because we have been sitting here for four hours. Okay, cool. Let's end it. Let's not even do the other part. We don't need to. The Last of Us. It's a pretty good game. It's like 7 out of 10. Johnny thinks it's like 8 out of 10. Yep, we we played. That's what we played. Stefan didn't play anything. Uh, Did we buy anything important that you guys need to just get off your chest right now? I'm remodeling my garage. That's all the money is going towards. Didn't you already talk about this on the show? He's just saying why he's not buying any games. Oh, okay. Yes, he did. Dick? I got some crap, and I got a Redbox Wonder Dog. I just you did like, get a red book. I buy it now on eBay. There were like two or three of them on eBay, and they're like sitting at like hundred ish bucks. And it's not in great condition, but uh, I don't. That's, it was a great. I buy. always thought that was like a really hard to get game, and it just is. I eBay. don't. I have no idea what's going on, but uh, everybody's too busy thinking about Nintendo and like, oh, is this link the- to the past worth grading? And I'm just like, oh, a rare Sega CD game. Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, definitely. They they did do uh, Nerf did a re-release of the Super Soaker XP100, and I bought two of those. Okay, you are so dumb. That's a, that's a, that's exciting. Is it? Yeah. I mean, aren't I love, there just other super, super soakers? Yeah, but aren't there just still super soakers you can buy? No, well, not Laramie ones. Like that 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 company's been long gone. So it's 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 fun that it's like a recast of the actual original Super Soaker XP100. Is it? it is. Is it? Even though it's a, a repro, I guess. <laughs> oh, it's fake. Uh, fake. That's right. Now I'm, I'm trying to figure out. Now. Collectibles. You <laughs> wasted what I had as a kid. Stickers. I think I had the CPS 2000. 
Are they going to remake that one? I'm nostalgic for that. Okay. Let's (laughs) move on. Okay. I bought some GBA games. I probably posted them. You saw them. I also got some Xbox games because eventually one day I'll finish that set whether I want to or not. You know, even a small amount of momentum is momentum. Uh, So one day, you know, nearing four years from now, I'll be like, I finally bought the last two games I needed. The end. Uh, that's it. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. I know we went long. I hope you guys uh, got something out of our discussion about resources and weren't just like, cool, thanks, yeah, I know all this. Uh, you can find me at Johnny underscore Ayuchi. I'm pretty much just here and sometimes on Video Game Sage. That's all I'm doing right now. Tyler, what about you? Yeah, I'm at those places. I'm default gen, default G-E-N, and I post sometimes, and you could, just, you could talk to me. It'll be great. We could talk about video games. I love video games, dude. Me too. That's it. Stefan. <laughs> Stefan uh, does not love video games. Th- so. That's true. No. Uh, or Tyler. Um, Archon1981, A-R-C-H-O-N-1981. That's most places. Uh, aside from Twitter, where I am Art of NP, you can search for Art of Nintendo Power, and that'll find me there, too. Woo! We did it. Thanks for listening. Bye!